Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Press again. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. That noise you hear there is my loyal assistant, Phil, trying to work a fader. <laughs> I mean, you look out, you look after budgets of millions of pounds every every week on m- multiple construction sites, and you can't work a fader. Did that not fade? Well, it faded a bit, but it was a little <laughs> bit. It, it wasn't ideal. Mate. I, I don't know what you want in fading. I, I want a nice, consistent fade. You got a nice, clean, I, smooth fade there. I want a, a fade sm- a smoother than the side of a trendy footballer's head. <laughs> Parts of the side of a trendy <laughs> footballer's head. <laughs> you are listening to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. I am. I am JB. Across from me is Phil, and hopefully down the line later we will have Tim. You can find us on Twitter at Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Um, no, it's not. It's at Rugby Podcast. You can find me at Jay Beardmore, Tim at Cocker. How have you been, Phil? Uh, very good, JB. I've been okay. Yeah, so you're here, which is unusual. You're not usually here. You, you've been allowed out. I am. I'm here uh, in person for now. For now. Right now. Um, Tim isn't, though, because Tim has been working incredibly hard this weekend. I know. Poor Tim. I mean, he's... I mean, say poor Tim. He's got to go to games. Many other people haven't gone gone to games. Yeah. Uh, he is in Ireland with no flights, so he did the Ulster game, and then he did the Munster game. Yeah, so he Ulster on Friday night, where he had the distinct pleasure of uh, interviewing Cheslin Colby. Oh, yes, he did, not he? Which is pretty impressive, and a very frustrated and annoyed Dan McFarland. Yes, now we have plenty of tweets, and he's not here to answer answer the question but what was Dan McFarlane talking about do you know well yes because I watched it but let's save that until Tim um, is here um, down the line hopefully yeah. slightly later on no. so, he, so he did that on Friday Yeah. then on Saturday he drove I think it was from Ulster to Limerick and on Sunday obviously Sunday evening the latest kickoff, the last kickoff of Sunday evening he was working Harlequins Munster or Munster Harlequins what in- a guy he has been working very hard, and then he he can't get a flight back until tomorrow. So he's been grafting this weekend. Yeah, all for you, the Irish public, eh, to make sure that your broadcast... Actually, actually, it's not, is it? Because they don't get the BT broadcast. I don't know, actually. Do they get... 
you get BT Broadcast in Ireland? No idea. No I'd, idea. I'd assume in Northern Ireland, but who knows? Yeah. Um, tell us at Rugby Podcast. So, uh, well, I want to talk about these games, but I've never had a weekend of such one-sided rugby. There's been... And even the, the non-one-sided games... There's been some not great games. Like, I had, <laughs> I had the distinct displeasure of watching Bath Scarlets, oh which was word. very close, but not a good game. Yes. And um, La Rochelle, Edinburgh, which I love that 8pm kickoff. It's a lovely slot. And I was hoping for a bit more from those two teams. Although La Rochelle were... Um, they were very efficient at what they did. They kept pe- pegging back Edinburgh and disrupting them and obviously did enough to win the game. Mm. Well... Kicking off on Friday night. Yes. Northampton took on Bordeaux. And, okay, spoiler alert, Northampton lost again at home. Again. And you think, this is a bad result. This is really a bad result for Northampton. And then, at the end of the weekend, you realise, that is probably as good as it got for all of the English teams outside of Exeter. (laughs) They were probably the best performing English team. Um, Well, Wasps were the only other English team to win... But it was only against Dragons, so read into that what you will. I mean... Yeah, third um, best English team, Northampton. Maybe, yeah, maybe that is right. Because it's not... It has not been some good results for the English teams this weekend. I mean, what a game this was. I mean, not what a game it was, this is impressive. Just what a game this was. Uh, Northampton had this, broadly speaking, under control. Like, there was no real threat from Bordeaux. Uh, I do like that Bordeaux team, though. I like how they're built. I, I bloody love Cameron Wockie. I think he is an absolute monster. And the build of the boy. Yeah, the, the shoulders, the arms, the the reach of the boy. I mean, even if he's not an international rugby player based on talent alone, just the way he looks, he should be just <laughs> is such a magnificent man. Um, uh, Northampton, bless him. I mean, they were so much better than they've been in the past. And I think that has a lot to do with Dan Bigger coming back. Dan Bigger looked like a man possessed. He, he, for good and bad, because, yes. because he's so competitive. He will he will chase everything down. He will run it through or try and run through brick walls. He'll tackle everything that's in front of him. But he also mouths off all the time to, to his teammates, yep. to the referee, to the opposition. Everybody. Anyone, <laughs> if it's not going perfectly for him, and it obviously, spoiler alert, it didn't go perfectly for him. Um, he is mouthing off, unfortunately. Yeah, he. Um, so two players stood up for me: him and him and Courtney Laws. It's good to have Courtney back, isn't it? Isn't it just? And they, God, did they need him? And you could just. I don't know if it is my pre-existing bias because I like him a lot. I like Dan Bigger a lot, but they just seem to have that little bit more desire to drive that team forward. It's a bit more leadership as well to yeah. to experienced heads who've been there and done it at club level and internationally. Um, it is good to see those two. Yeah, the bit which got me was at the bottom of the rock. The scrum half did did some stamping, and Laws just gets up and absolutely erupts. And I think like I, within the limits of the law. I mean, yeah. you didn't push it to. I mean, you could have gone too far and got yourself yellow carded in that situation or reversed the penalty. Enough to show his his frustration and read the right act to the opposition without getting a penalty or or a yellow. And indeed, it drew it, it drew a yellow from 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 scrum half. But I just think that is probably what Northampton have been missing for the last God knows how long. Uh, yes, albeit I will say, even with that additional leadership, which they have been missing, um, they still made mistakes. Oh, so many. D- 
so many mistakes so and so many bad decisions. Like the, the decision with about is it ten or fifteen minutes to go, they get a kickable penalty. Uh, I think it was twelve nine at that that point. Yep. And they kick for the corner rather than kicking the sticks. And you just Madness. think, why you've been trying all day, you've been failing all day. Why why do you think this time you're going to be able to do it? And evidently they didn't do it. And then that sets up the Santiago Cordero fiasco, where was it um, Taylor and Oloafella are both looking at each <sighs> other both looking at the ball, neither of them are actually doing anything and Cordero just zips in after it hits the upright and scores the match-winning try. Absolutely maddening. And this is just a classic, isn't it? It's, I mean, Northampton's game plan, for, not game plan, but the way they play the game for the most part is pretty competent. And then they have these enormous catastrophic failures <laughs> at like the line-out or whatever it is, which means they can't rack up the points like, like they should. So actually, you know, as a team, they're quite good. Yeah. But then the line-out is atrocious, and then they'll make basic mistakes, or they'll get turned over at the wrong time. It's just those final things. And because they can't get their act together, they leave themselves open for something like this. This is like how Wales used to win games. Just keep in the fight, and at some point someone will make a mistake, and if you're there to capitalise on that mistake, you're going to win 50% of your games at least. Yeah. I, even when you're the worst team yeah because I, I, I do think Northampton were probably the better team on balance but they didn't deserve to win it and because this, of those mistakes and it's, this is a good Bordeaux team as well yes I mean, you look through you, you know you're looking through this team thinking yep yeah, good 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 powerful I mean it's a good powerful talented Bordeaux team and they should have won they should have won simple as that yeah but that's so far story of well this season for Northampton and the story of 80% of last season as well. Yeah. Yeah, they need to get their act together pretty sharpish because I think they're going to... Well, the thing which will save them is everyone else in the Premiership also being average. <laughs> so they can turn the corner pretty quickly. Uh, but very, very poor game. Now, the other game on Friday night... Didn't really that... pay much attention to this. I can't remember what I was doing. but what, I was dri- driving back from Wales. So I assume you did pay attention to this. And I, I also didn't pay attention to it because Tim was there. Yeah, I did pay attention to this. Um... Well, Tim will want to comment on this later, but it's frustrating from an Ulster, as an Ulster fan mm. um, because Ulster played pretty well. They didn't do everything perfectly. Uh, they made some mistakes, and annoyingly, the two first half Toulouse tries both came from uh, Ulster mistakes where Toulouse just capitalised on it first. Yeah. Um, the the turnover for the Colby try, and then the the. Um, Cooney attempt to knock down the ball from the number eight at the back of the scrum, which lands in Dupont's try, uh, Dupont's hands, and Dupont goes fifty meters, basically unopposed to score under the sticks because of an over eagerness really from Cooney and no one else switching on. Uh, it's frust- that was frustrating, and a couple of points that, that McFarlane mentioned to Tim, like the um, uh, which one it was one of the Toulouse tries where. Um, Cooney throws a oh no Cooney throws a forward pass mm-hmm. um, but there were Toulouse players offside at the same time that um, it should have been a penalty the other way um, rather than a forward pass from from um, Cooney so just overall frustrating I feel for but, you but then when you've got 
Dupont, who didn't have his best game he's ever had, but still scored a magnificent 40, 50 yard try. And Chesling, when you've got Chesling Colby on the pitch, you just. How does this. Right. How do things work in France? So obviously Dupont is the nine. If they're wearing the blue of France, there's a good chance that Entomac is 10. Yeah. And. Ramos is 15. Ramos is 15. Uh, no, Ramos played 10. But Ramos played 10 and, and Intermac played 12. Correct. Yeah, and they, that's how they lined up as well. So I didn't under, I didn't realise this, but uh, I interviewed, if you listen to Rugby Dungeon, I interviewed Ben Kayser uh, last week, and he pointed out something which is blatantly obvious if you've ever watched French French rugby, but it never really cl- clicked in, in my mind, which is Roman Intermac's pretty unusual because you don't get many ball-playing 12s in France. In fact, if you think about it, there's hardly any. Oh, that's interesting. So I'm just thinking of the French squad. So Fiku, yep. not really a ball player. He's a, a centre winger. Yes. Plays 12. Uh, Jonathan Dante, not a ball player in 12. Not particularly. Bastero, not, not so much. Now, did he explain why? Because I often think of um, in France, you have a ball playing 9 and 10, as in you have a 10 who is. In sorry, a, a 9 who is a decision maker and yeah. kicker and will, will lead the back line. Well, you say you often have a 9 and 10 who are ball players. They did play David Skrella, and he was very much a crash ball 10 at 6 4. <laughs> but no, we just said that's just how they how they are. And the only one I can think of which really bucks that trend would be in um, Damian Try back in the day. Yeah, but he was he had that skill set. He's and also he was six massive. Foot, yeah. And he was 6 foot 4. Yeah. He's absolutely huge. Jojon, uh, Fritz. Yeah. Uh, all those boys are big go, go forward boys. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I'm just thinking of the teams as well. The one team that would book that trend was, it probably only had three or four Frenchmen in it, if that, was the the Toulon team with Wilkinson and Gitto at 12. Yes, quite. Now, obviously, that is that has far more, well, Englishmen, Welshmen, Saffers, Kiwis, Aussies than Frenchmen in that team. So it, it's hardly a classic of the genre. Yeah. So ball-playing French 12s, uh, Roman Entomac is a pretty unusual character. Yeah, and they, they might... It's, it'll be interesting to see how he gets um, mixed into the France squad long term because obviously he's got the number 10 shirt mm. but the guys behind him are just amazing <laughs> Car- Carbonell and Jalibert are s- just so so skillful and by the way what great names have all got Dupont Entomac Jalibert yeah. uh, you know they just, it goes on and on ba- Baptiste Soran <sighs> wonderful stuff it's great. it is great it is great uh, Ulster uh, strike me as a perennially a perennial competent team. They feel like they've been to this stage so many times that even when they're playing the Mighty Slews, they are competent, very dangerous, but just not good enough. <sighs> not quite good enough on this occasion. And I I, I understand um, McFarlane's frustrations with. He did express frustration with the referee, um, but he will also be frustrated with his team. Because um, they had an effective uh, rolling ball, yeah, um, but but couldn't capitalise it on enough on on it enough, and to have that effective rolling ball against, I mean that that Toulouse pack is monstrous. It is it's isn't it? absolutely huge, and at times so in the scrum Toulouse got the better of Ulster, but line out. And uh, the driving mall, the organisation of Ulster was really, really good. And it's just frustrating they couldn't get another try on the board at any time. Um, 
that Toulouse team, though, they went from the sublime to the ridiculous. Like, the the skill set of some of their backs, like DuPont, like like some of the stuff that Cheslin Colby can do, no other player on earth can do. He, he's unplayable at times. Yeah. And he's made Jacob Stockdale, not for the first time, look like a bit of a fool out on that wing. But he, he would do that to basically any defender, give him a one-on-one do you know what situation. It reminds, do you know what it reminded me of, where he stepped, is when he ran round Farrell? Yeah. A perfectly competent player. Yeah. A good, a good player. Yeah, actually. yeah. And but, he just... Yeah, but... Just like make, they're not even there. Make them look like, uh, yeah, like they're not there. Did he? Do you think he needs to release that ball to get back up for the try? No, I'm pretty. I, I'm, I, yeah. look, I'm if you get up, that. you're not held, are you? Yeah, that's th- what I think. There's there's no one even round him, so I'm I'm fine with that. But Toulouse have those. They have that skill set. They have the tight five of the pack, particularly in the scrum. They were, I mean, really, really dominant. But there was some of the stuff which was total schoolboy. Like the <laughs> the defence of box kicks. It's like Toulouse had never... Like their back three, their uh, back row who were defending deep, basically their whole team, it's like they'd never seen a box kick before. Despite the fact that they've got two international 15s on the pitch. Incredible. It was... They looked totally clueless every time that um, Cooney put one up. Uh, now, has Uge retired or is he retiring? He that, is retiring at the end of the season. Okay. I don't think he has retired yet. I think that's right. So we've only got really, what, nine more months to enjoy him? Yeah. Well, Maximum. Maybe when, less. When did the top 14, the top 14, they're about 10 games in. So yeah, we've we got until basically June, July next year to enjoy Uge. Uh, oh well. Uh, well, we'll park that for one side because I'm sure Tim will have a few bits and pieces to say about his interview with Dan McFarland, etc. Yes, definitely. Uh, uh, did you make yourself comfortable for sa- for the Saturday game, Bristol Bears Claremont? So no, that's one of the few games I didn't get to watch. Do you know it's a high scoring game? I watched the I watched the whole thing, um, but literally, if you look at the score, it is exactly as you imagine it. Um, even though there are a lot of points on the board for Bristol Bears, there just really wasn't any danger. There, no point did. Um, did Claremont look like they were going to concede any more? They looked like compl- like they were in complete control. For the most part, they were two scores ahead pretty much all the time. And did it give you that feeling that if it ever got dicey, they'll just turn on the power, turn on the skill outside and score another couple of tries? That is literally exactly what it felt like. Uh, they were they were playing with their food. They, they, <laughs> they were like a cat playing with, playing with their food. Uh, and the really disappointing part about this is I honestly thought Bristol were going to be the the outlier team that would really go well in Europe so maybe not your top domestic team in England but with someone who could do some real damage in, in Europe and they just got put to bed yeah and this this is a point um, so France the French teams have done very well uh, mm. this year and the quirk of the French league where basically a lot of teams only play their home games or only try in their home games has meant that Toulouse were the lowest-ranked qualifier, so Ulster were top two. So you've got yes. um, a number two, two tier playing a number seven tier in Ulster against um, uh, Toulouse, and you've got a number three tier playing a number five tier in Bristol against um, Claremont. Madness, isn't it? So, yeah, the, these were teams taking at-home battering against, well, um, according to the competition, lower-ranked teams than, than them, which is ominous for, well, 
England and English rugby and Ulster, but seems very good for French rugby because they they put in some serious performances this weekend. They really did. Now, just some uh, word on on, Cla- on Claremont. Uh, Matsushima scored a phenomenal hat trick, and people will concentrate on that hat trick, rightly so, because it was phenomenal and he is phenomenal. However, um, I cannot explain using conventional language or the laws of physics how Damien Pinode plays this game. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look... He looks like... He's got the build of an accountant. <laughs> and he just glides about and he swats... I mean, he does that thing. Do you know when he steps towards the player and with his leading arm, he swats him out of the way. It's not a handoff. It's almost a pulling him towards him and pulling him across and his body. And then throw. Yeah, like a throw. He's, he's just, I mean, I'm sure he's much more muscular in real life. But he doesn't look like much. He looks like this skinny little... Uh, not skinny. He looks like a slight level six winger. He's bloody brilliant. He looks... He's got... Um, it's more like a middle distance runner type physique. Yeah, it is. He doesn't look like, like say, um, his opposite winger, or uh, the, the opposite um, side to him on the Claremont wing, Alvaretti Racker. <laughs> he's like a ball of muscle. Yes. Whereas Pano is a rangy runner, but he is some player. Mm. Yeah, Claremont just looked, it looked irresistible. I mean, they really... I mean, it's a... You know, you're getting into the realm of just cliche here, but they do have everything. You know, they are physical, they are big. Um, I absolutely love Sebastian Varmahina, even when he does play seven. I was going to say, you know, he's, he wore seven, didn't he? Yeah. Now, which, which is a blind side, but he's still Correct. best part of 130 kilos. He's enormous. He's a huge, <laughs> huge man. I mean, he's usually the biggest second row on the field when he plays second row. Yeah. So he's an enormous man. Uh, but, yeah, they had... Uh, put it this way, they had more than enough to deal with Bristol. Yeah. Uh, what do you say to the... Not the I would say it's an argument, but there have been a few comments bounding about about how the English teams went too heavy post-lockdown, and this is catching up, up with them. And then you combine that with the fact that the Pro 14... Pro 14? The top 14 is, has started... Well, they had a lot more of a rest, and they they cancelled their season, so they didn't have to play all all yep. that backlog of games, and they've come in fresh. And it feels like they've come into Europe fresh as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I preferred to see a con- conclusion to the Premiership season, as in it wouldn't it would have been unsatisfactory had that Premiership season not concluded, um, and p- particularly for Exeter, who were primed and ready to win it, did win it won a historic double, which was all brilliant to see. However, for most teams, that period, combined with um, then basically restarting the seasons after only a couple of weeks' break while internationals were going on, has meant the English teams have played a lot of rugby since they played no rugby from March through to July. And then it has been continuous rugby from July and will be for, well, it will be a full 12 months, basically from when they restarted, um, which the the worrying bit will be um, whether we see an in, a significant increase in injuries over that period of time. It, yeah, because yeah, um, it's, I mean, injuries have been uh, pretty pertinent at the moment, given the news last week that you, you and Tim covered really well, the well, concussion news. Well, actually, whilst waiting for Tim to dial in, uh, why don't we just take a break from Europe? And you've got a few thoughts on the concussion story, yes? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I thought you you guys covered it really well, and it is it is a tragic, tragic story. I mean, y- you guys mentioned this, but 
anyone watching that, whether you've played the game or not, it's horrible to see. Hear from guys like um, Popham and Steve Thompson, are the two um, two videos that I've seen, and they are absolute warriors. It's yeah. like huge, super strong physical players who were sensational players. And to see the impact that um, CTE is having them and, and early onset dementia is having on them and their families is just horrendous. Yeah. The, yeah, and the easiest way to get picked for a professional rugby team, if you talk to anyone who has played the game at the highest level, is not to play well, but to play hard. Yeah, a yeah. lot of you you can have a great career in the Premiership if you just play really, really hard. And you don't have to be the biggest, strongest, fastest, but if you work the hardest, then yeah, you get your chances. Well, but that does mean playing when injured. So. It's just occurred to me now, actually. Um, go back to Rugby Dungeon, another plug. Uh, got, I interviewed Gary Graham. I was like, well, how do you beat a team as physical as Sale? And his answer, uh, you know, this only three weeks ago. Um, well, he said two things. First, Newcastle are focusing on being the hardest working team. And when I said, well, how do you stop big South Africans this week before they play Sale? Put your head in the spokes. That was it. It pays right, though. I mean, uh, it, you know, it pays his mortgage. Yeah. Yeah, and this and that, is the problem. That's that's a really interesting point, and I don't know how you fix it, but it's, it's a really interesting point that you made around the professionalism and what it does. Yeah, but I, I was listening to that thinking. I, I earned a few quid occasionally when I was playing rugby, playing mm. uh, uh, for essentially first team. But for me, it was never about um, money because the, the money was basically nothing. It was a bit of pocket change. Yeah, and it, it, in, oh, in, in, oh, in big time. You know, in, in, in reality, I probably um, spent more on travel and supplements and all the rest of it and uh, training and equipment mm. and all that than I ever earned. So it was never about money. But I, I played multiple times when injured, when, yes. it, when it wasn't about money at all. Um, never with a head injury, as far as I'm aware, um, or certainly never consciously with a, with a head injury. Yeah. Um, but it's you can see how people do get pushed down that route, not just by the money, but by the competitiveness, by the love of the game, by not wanting to let your teammates 100%. down. So it, it is not just about money, but that is a really interesting point. As in, like the the Shante and Happy thing that you mentioned, yeah, which that is one of the most harrowing uh, accounts of concussion that I've ever read. Where he's the big money player in France, he's having repeated head knocks. Like literally, he goes into a rook. And he just wakes up at, at the floor in, in training. Yeah. And the coach is pulling him up saying, What the hell are you doing? You're lazy. You've got to get off the floor quick. And, he, and he's hiding the fact that he's getting knocked out because he's on a whatever it is money and he's providing for his family. Mm. But so, so yeah. all, all of that is, I don't know how you solve all of that. The, the bit that I find really interesting about this um, particular concussion lawsuit is. So we, we've seen concussion lawsuits before. We've seen uh, two two that I know a little bit about. Yeah, uh, being Jamie Cudmore with Claremont. Yeah, I forgot about that one. And Killian Willis at Sale. Yes, which I don't know if that has ever concluded. It or... has concluded, and funnily enough, I have an article about it on my phone, which I oh, okay, which I should have read and I didn't. So, well, that's me. What I was going to do is differentiate those from this one. Please do. Which, which is the interesting bit. So those two were, um, I won't go into the specifics of it, but it was failures of uh, t- the team to protect the individual. So you had Claremont and the sale doctors, it turns out, for the, the Killian Willis one, 
um, either failing to identify and or failing to put processes in place to protect those individuals, which has led to um, long-term consequences. This is not quite the same, this next round of litigation, because this is not against any one individual or any one specific failure or any team. This is, as, as you guys said, it's against the WRU, the RFU and World Rugby for not one individual failing, but failing to put the, the correct processes in place. Now, my thoughts around this are the bit that's going to be difficult is, so what, what they're the um, legal team and the players are going to have to do is they're first going to have to um, demonstrate that the unions uh, and World Rugby had a duty of care for these individuals, which I think is fairly clear. They they definitely had their processes, the laws that they put in place uh, and the regulations they put in place are there to protect the players. That seems yes. pretty simple. They're going to have to demonstrate that there was injury, which again... I think will be fairly simple. Um, I think the NFL concussion case has demonstrated the repeated uh, blows to the head can lead to CTE and early onset dementia. Um, What they're going to have to do, though, is demonstrate that World Rugby and the unions failed to keep up with the science on this one. Because Mm. World Rugby have more recently, they've done a few things, but they've um, made active effort to... Uh, reduce the tackle height yep. and um, change the protocols around head injuries, as in you've got the head injury assessment, you, if you've got a, f- a defined return to play protocol before you can ever play again. Um, so they've actively taken steps in recent years to improve things. Now, going back, what I think this legal case will have to do is demonstrate that the world rugby was basically behind the science, as in they had evidence, say, in 2007 that um, they should be improving their concussion protocols and didn't do it. Now, it's not going to be the same as the NFL, where they actively hid evidence and lied about statements. Now, I don't think they have to prove that. I think they just have to prove that they failed to adapt their processes to the science that was available which I think that might be quite a difficult thing to prove. Yeah, because it's multifaceted, isn't it? There's the concussion science, which I suppose everyone knows about. It repeats a blows to the head. Well, no, that's not true. Not We know it happens, but actually there are some areas that I don't know. I don't know if experts do, but, you know, at what, you know, what level of impact causes concussion where does it cause concussion how many repeat small concussions equal a big concussion yeah we we have no idea all of that is pretty grey I think yeah I'm not sure I mean maybe someone knows but I don't know if they know if that makes sense I've not heard that basically we know concussion is bad yeah but we don't know to what extent like if you is having is heading a football five times the same as um, getting knocked out? Is heading a football a hundred times in twenty yeah. minutes the same as getting knocked out? Like we have we have no idea. But I mean, just say if we did know, right? Say if we did have a, a nice formula for it, how do you then keep up with the science of sports science itself? And what I mean by that is, you know, a guy's twenty stone. Is he generating twice the power? Is he is he is he just stronger without being more powerful? Which is another thing which it could be. You know, does his size and his mass protect him from from concussions, particularly when he's getting hit in the chest because he's not rocking back? You don't know any of these things. And certainly you don't know on any of the individual instances for these players. Yeah. Like, were the, if, 
you've got no counterfactual. So, yeah. for example, for the whole of Steve Thompson's career, if every single head injury he had was treated with the 2019 protocols rather than the 1999 or 2003 or 2007 protocols, would that have made any difference? Exactly. And I, I, I think what I hope is, I really hope these players and their families get properly looked after. Yeah. But I don't know. The, the lawsuit, I think, is just so grey and so uncertain. My feeling is on the lawsuit. Um, <clears throat> how do I phrase this without sounding like they're trying to be disingenuous? Because I don't believe that. I wonder if the main aim of the lawsuit is to get help for them and also to change procedures in the future. Yep. In which case, I think it'll be successful on both counts. Yes, if it is a that's, that's, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that's fair. If it's a lawsuit to win the lawsuit, I feel I have a feeling it will be unsuccessful. Uh, so those are, the, those are the things that I'm thinking of. The other thing which we didn't talk about, and this is definitely one more for you, I guess, than me, me and Tim, is um, all of our focus is on the guys who are in the limelight. Uh, Steve Thompson and you know, what is happening in the championship? Yeah, and it, one of the things I read was there were 70 other players. Um, yeah. And I can see this, I, I really can see this being the tip of the iceberg for this. Yeah. Not not just for um, professional, but when you, like you say, when you drop down to championship level and lower, like... Because the impacts aren't that much smaller. No. The men can be bigger. Yeah, and, and also you get um, greater disparity as well. Yeah. As in the top teams uh, in the championship, well, like we played against Leeds, we played against Exeter, we played... Um, these these big teams, Colin Spencer, Northampton Harlequins. Yeah. Um, fortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, I didn't play in either of those two games. But um, you, you, but you've got guys who could be um, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one years. When I when I first played my my first game uh, for Sedgley, I was twenty-one and I was about ten and a half stone. I was fresh out of university, bigger than you are now. Uh, <laughs> fresh out of university. And first senior game, and I got um, uh, dislocated my right shoulder, AC joint dislocation in my first first senior game when um, it was Luke Gross, and I can't remember the prop's name. So Luke Gross, why do I know that name? Uh, he's an American Eagle sec- yes! second row. Yes, 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 yes. And it was a Tongan international prop. I carried the ball and had those two land on top of me. I was... I was absolutely tiny. Yeah. Those two, I think it was my first ever carry in proper senior rugby. The the disparity between that, I'd, I'd fresh out of university, I'd not done any other than like a little bit of beach weights in the gym, not yeah. done any no proper S&C, con- yeah. conditioning or training, is ludicrous. It's absolutely yeah. ludicrous. But you get that kind of scenario would have happened all the time in the, in that kind of league, and and now step it down a level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the potential for that because of the disparity in strength and conditioning and size in those leagues is even greater. Yeah, it, there could be an enormous... We could have only seen the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I mean, I made the point uh, on the last podcast that we, I think we need to get rid of anything where amateurism, amateurs encountered professionals. Sorry, Championship, that that includes you. you got to go. I don't think... I, and I don't know how you stop this because other countries won't stop. We don't need under-20s. We just don't need them. Ah, uh, see that it's an interesting one that because I heard you say that on the other pod, and Jamie Roberts wrote a good article um, about the, par- the the training paradox, which 
I don't necessarily agree with the full extent of the point he was making, but I understand the principle and the paradox, which is, well, actually, if you don't do enough training, you won't be conditioned or um, your technique might not be good enough for um, the collisions that you get on, yeah. match, on match day, which is, I think, once you're at the highest level, you've got enough knowledge to not have to do hitting tackle bags or, or full tackle um, in training very frequently. But under-20s is a great stepping stone on the route to profession. Like, if you just threw someone in, if you threw the Curry boys, oh, maybe that's a bad example because they're absolute mutants. They are enormous men. But if you just threw, I don't know, Cheson Colby, who's not an enormous man, or Gareth Davis, or someone like that who's not huge, and you, they'd go from, like, under-18s and playing against kids to all of a sudden you're playing against, playing in the French League... That's not. That can't be safe. It can't be safe. That, that can't be a yeah, safer and, alternative. And by the way, the, the South Africans aren't, aren't going to stop. No chance. In the, 20s. the private no schools chance. in the UK are not going to say, right, guys, no more going to the gym because we want to protect the Premiership. They want to go out and win the bloody Daily Mail Cup and whatnot. And the lads like being big. Yeah, That's the yeah. other thing. They want to look like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the par- there is a, an element as well which I think ties into performance-enhancing drugs. Not for the Premiership, I might add. But lower down the league, you know, if someone looks like they're on steroids, there's a good chance they are on steroids. Yeah, you just you, you've you and I have probably both played against enough people. You're like, right, where are the drug testers here? Yeah, you, they, you, you, yeah. you, and you. And I tell you what, it's getting so much more prevalent down the leagues. Um, I've told uh, this story look, before. Half of that, that down the leagues will genuinely be, and like South Wales, South Wales rugby has a very high proportion of people test positive. Yeah, and it's more for. Um, aesthetics than performance. Hundred percent. It's all about aesthetics. I don't think they are taking their Anavar pills because they really want to be good at rugby. But I was at a, a local a local club. It's second team at rugby. We locked out the change room. Some lads in the second team arrived with their tops off, and you think, bloody hell! They, our first team don't you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't used to look like that. There, you know, there were lads that were playing in your first team that probably didn't look like that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there are there are it is much more to this than simply um, the protocols and the updating of the science on one side. There's updating on science on the other side. And there's also the strength and conditioning to protect yourself. There's, there's an element that the bigger you are, the more force you can create, and therefore the more damage you can do. But also, the bigger you are, the more you are protected. So that there's like yeah. there's just, a game just theory. to be clear on that before anyone takes you out of the context. When you say more protected, you don't mean you can work your head out. What you mean is that if you have greater <laughs> mass, you might you might not be shunted backwards at a rate of knots. Yeah, but also you you're not going to get as many injuries. Mm. Like you are less likely if you if you are stronger, you are less likely to get more injuries. So I I, I would assume. I'll just give you two anecdotal stories, and then we'll move on from this. But yeah, you're right. I, I was talking to a young lad. Who work, um, who plays for Sale Sharks, and he came back after the summer. I was like, "Bloody hell, you look big!" And he goes, "Yeah, uh, armor." <laughs> so I'm like, not sure if that's how it works, but okay, fair. <laughs> like, fair enough. Uh, and the other one, um, uh, well, I mean, the guy no longer no, no longer plays now, and this is what worries me a little bit about the talk about um, let's make sure that they're okay, because uh, with concussions, I guess the way we're looking at it now is. Can we help Steve Thompson and his family? Which is, of course, the right way to think about it. But then if you put in a process such as if you get hit with a concussion and you're a player, you immediately get a payout. I hate to say this, but lads will be looking for concussions. And that sounds absolutely horrific. And the reason I say that is because I know a guy 
um, who was knocked out frequently uh, towards the end of his career. And he was he actually told me, he actually told me over coffee, he's like, yeah, I, if I could just go off with a broken shoulder because um, of a pre-existing condition, or I can't remember exactly what his phrasing was, but he was looking to either get lo- knocked out or do his shoulder. So he, he was committing lots of uh, low, no, no, no arm tackles. Because of the insurance payout. Correct. Yeah, and he won't be the first, and he won't be the last. Ultimately, they play this game. They put their bodies on 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 the line. They are accepting of certain risks, and that is not. By the way, that is not yeah. saying they signed up for it. What I'm saying is, yeah. they accept that if they take a risk with their body, there 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 is a payout. And if they want that one final payout, well, what difference is one more game? Yeah. So I just don't. Uh, you've got to be careful because incentives matter. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it, it, it is a, f- a very good point that you you in the law of unintended consequences could be you put something in place that has significant effects down the line. Yeah. Um, well, well, I'll give you an update next week. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going for a coffee with a neurosurgeon to uh, see what nice. see what see what I can find out. Yeah, that that a will concussion be concussion expert and the neurosurgeon. So, well, let, let's see what I can find. That will be very interesting because I, I like I was reading about the. Um, the percentage of uh, prevalence of CTE in retired NFL players, and if if it is right, it's frightening. Yeah, because <laughs> like, you will have had a few concussions in your career. I know Tim has had do you a know, few concussions. I in his don't career. think I have. Really, I genuinely do not think 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 that I have. You just can't remember them. Y- yeah, I mean, I wonder. I've never been knocked out. That is for certain. Yeah, and Tim. also I have. I'm trying to think of the other one. Yeah. I was talking about this the other day. There was two things that made me think: Have I had concussions? One was I get a funny tingling at the back of my throat. Do you know? Do you know what that is? Uh, if I've got a cold coming on, I get a funny tingling. No, you have a big contact. And it's like the back. Of your th- it's a weird sort of feeling. Uh, okay. And I've heard that that might be something. Might be something to do with that. And the other one is severe deja vu after a, 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 a heavy hit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm guessing I've oh, had that a few more than a few times. Yeah. I'm guessing of the two of them, the second one is probably the bigger indicator. Yeah, generally speaking. Well, I would say I don't believe that I've uh, ever been knocked out. No, um, I, I, I think I've been concussed three times that I that I'm aware of. Once as about a ten year old with a head clash yeah. in training, um, and twice um, playing senior rugby. Once away at Tyndale, once away at Newbury, and just being both times, I I felt totally fine during the game. There was. N- I, I can't even remember the specific in, incident, but I came off the pitch with like a big cut or bruise on my head, and felt sick as a dog for a few days afterwards. Yeah, um, which is never a good sign. Yeah. Uh, just a quick shout out to James Sage on 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 on, on Twitter, by the way. Sent us a very very interesting tweet. Literally as we are recording this, uh, thank you for your tweet, James. Uh, I'm not going to read this out because I need to think about it. Uh, but Ooh. yeah, it's 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 a very interesting point about uh, mandated retirement ages and that kind of thing. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's we will read it. Yeah, we will uh, mull it over and might come back to it next week. Exactly, exactly. Um, right. Well, that's in that, that that that's the end of that. Let's get let's get back into some more one-sided rugby. <laughs> well, let's, so there was a one-sided game at uh, I can't remember. It was about three fifteen on the Saturday. In the south of France, on the south coast, which was Toulon uh, Sale. Yes. it was. Now, I didn't watch this because I was watching a not one-sided, but generally pretty awful game at Bath Scarlet. So you tell me about Toulon versus Sale. <sighs> um, Toulon versus Sale. Uh, 
just uh, sail route sailed. Uh, I actually gave up on this game before Sale scored any points. Uh, so Morland Yard went over late, and so did Big J- Big James Phillips. By that point, I'd given up and gone off. Uh, I think I'd got, I'd got gone out for for a run. They just weren't equipped to do it. Um, they showed up with a team which was actually full of young lo- young local talent. Uh, so like, like the two Duprees, like Bevin Rod and Will Cliff and one of the James boys, and I, I mean you know they're all young and local, and I presume all the other lads were once young and local to somewhere. <laughs> so if you combine all, combine all of that, lots of young lo- uh, young local talent, but you know they, they didn't put out their strongest team, which I thought was yeah. a curious choice because I didn't think too long were that far away from them. Yeah, and I, I think. The, the sale team was clearly a, a second team, pretty much a second team, um, with a few first teamers in there. But the the Toulon team was strong. Yeah, that's close to their first team as far as I'm aware. Yeah, but I mean by by half time, Sale had scored zero. Uh, I think AJ had missed missed a few kicks. I mean, it, I, some teams have a bounce, don't they? If they get rid of their yeah do, coach, do you are yeah. Well, most DORs go because the team is not doing well. Yes. Sale were doing okay. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like this could be what Sale fans have to look forward to for a little while at least post-Steve Diamond. Yeah. Because that team is a hard-nosed Steve Diamond team. And that wasn't a hard-nosed Steve Diamond performance. So where do they get that from this week, next week, and the week after? Um, I really hope that Paul Deacon can inspire something I'm sure he can he's a very very good coach uh, but it was the Steve Diamond show so they're, they're, they're really up against it uh, this will be a great test to see if this this player pool has what it takes and if there is a leadership inside it to drag themselves through and if there's not and if they don't you're going to have to start pointing fingers at, uh, fingers at senior players and saying you know were you as good as the money that they that, 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 that they signed you for uh, or was it just what Steve Diamond was putting in, putting in place around systems and processes, um, and just his attitude in general, which you know, dro- drove you forward? Now I, I don't know what the answer to to that is. We'll, we'll have to we'll wait see. and yeah, we'll, we'll wait see. and see. And I, I, I've said it before, that sale team should the squad that they've got should be getting top four. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 re- I, re- I really think they should. They've got. One of the best packs in the league. They've got a big pack, right? They've Don't got, get me wrong. They've got two good tens. They've got pace out wide. They've got great options in the centres. Look, I mean, yeah. who's, who's genuinely who's got better four centres than uh, Rohan Yancey von Rensburg, Manu, Sam, Sam Hill, Hill, and Sam James? They're good. Uh, which which team in the league's got better four centre options than that? I quite like Gloucester's centre options. Hmm. I'm not sure Gloucester have got top of the league in I would say many things. Gloucester have got some tremendous centre options. I would say... Uh, I mean, look, I think everyone has got... Uh, when you look at every squad, they've all got pretty much good options when they're all fit. And that and that's the thing about uh, about the Premiership. Everyone's got good, star- um, uh, good starters. Sale have got a starting group as good as anyone. I wouldn't say that they're the best... But they're definitely not the worst. I mean, they're definitely very good. And then, what you're looking they're at top after four that, in my mind, they right. should be. What you're looking for after that after that is balance. Like, sure, the individuals are good, but you can't play Manu and Rohan in in, in the same team. <laughs> you can't play Sam Rohan or Manu in the same team. Sorry, Sam Hill. So actually, what you're looking at is 
Sam James plus, plus one another. other. Yeah, is one of the best centre combinations in the league. No Sam James and two of those lads. Uh, I'll leave it, thanks. Rob Dupree at 13. No thanks. <laughs> Just no thanks. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, by the way, two good uh, fly halves. I mean, yeah, uh, one one really good fly half. And Rob Dupree is a very good fly half too. But one he's, really he's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he is a but, very good fly half. I, I think you're, like, having not seen the game but seen the highlights, I think you're a little bit harsh on sale in this performance because yeah. to only lose by 12 points away at Toulon, yeah, there's it, not many teams that will do that. No, that is true. And I, you know, there's two late tries. I did rewatch it. Um, yeah, I who's, think, who's this Dugdale character? Because he Sam Dugdale. He carried and offloaded well for both tries. Yeah, I he's think. brilliant. Um, young back row. Yeah. Uh, they also had interest. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, which I'm really thinking about now, um, is what do they do with with Akavandamirwa? Well, have you got anyone who can throw a line out? Funny enough, yes. Um, they they do. Curtis Langdon can, uh, can throw. Ewan Ashman, who is on the bench, who is also a hooker, can throw. Okay, So he went with two hookers on the bench, but both of those guys, I think, can also play back row. Now, I'm wondering, this sounds... I mean, The problem with Sale is they've got such a good back row that could you justify putting someone in the back row to throw, uh. like an Ashman? Or uh, Cam Neal plays back row and he but used to, to lose hooker. Ross or one of the Currys or one of the Duprees. It's, no, it's, it's not it's, good enough, is it? You can't, you can't be carrying two hookers. Acker's brilliant around the park, but he's lying out. He might be the best hooker in the league around, around the park. Yeah, Him I, and <laughs> Luke Owen Dickey. Like, yeah. One of them can always hit his man. Yeah, and Luke Owen Dickey's yeah. arrows are superb. Yeah. And the other one is Acker van der Merwe. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? I don't, yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. Anyway, while you were watching that, I was watching Bath Scarlet, which is a lucky man. A little bit of history. Did uh, they have the doll on the post? Uh, I don't know. Is the answer? It was, it was at the wreck. Yes, um, but I don't know if there was a doll on the post. But um, this was a game that Bath should have won. Bath had all the talent, all the ability to win this game. Oh, oh stop! Stop! Uh oh. Get your headphones in. Hello. Are you recording? Are we live? Yeah, we are. We are live. We'll do it, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> yeah. How, how are you, Tim? I'm all right. I've just got to the Clayton Hotel at Dublin Airport. Oh, um, nice. Last night, last night I was in Limerick. The night before that, I was in Belfast. It's like it's like being. This, this is how I imagine. Uh, you know, people in rock and roll bands are like. You know, <laughs> that's how Craig Doyle lives. <laughs> ACDC, Iron Maiden bands. This is this is how they must live. Yeah, exactly. Well, me, <laughs> like a different city. Me and Phil were just talking about how upset you were doing uh, doing Europe this week and having no fans because you say that you well you call your listeners the Timberlands, don't you? And you said like you you didn't meet <laughs> any, any of the Timberlands this week. <laughs> There, there was 500 fans, uh, 500 of Tim's fans, the Timberlands at, at uh, the Kingspan. Oh yeah. Did, did you say you, say hello to any? No, you're, you're not able to get anywhere near them. No, Are you the, not? No, the number of times, g- genuinely, on European weekends, the number of people that come up uh, when you go to the Kingspan or wherever and just say hello and you know mention the show. However, we did get a fan. I did get I did get a fan of the podcast come up to me in person. Oh, and call say him hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. No, no, Graham Roundtree. 
Ah, oh, ha- awesome. So I know this because Graham's asked you before what a Negroni is. <laughs> yeah, he asked me. Yeah, so at the when Munster played Saracens last season, yeah, or maybe I think uh, he came up and said, "What the hell's a Negroni?" <laughs> and then, uh, about the show, but he came up to me today and he he had a he had like a snood over his nose and a and a woolly hat on, so I couldn't see who it was. And he, he went, "Tim, Tim, Tim, come over here, come over here." Um, I, I'm Graham. I, you know, just want to say, you know. Amazing. Love the show. Listen every time. I love the midweek stuff you're doing as well. Keep it up. Oh. I was like, Graham, we've met, we've met before. I remember a nice one. Uh, anyway, when I clocked who it was, because at first I thought, oh, just some bloke called Graham. But, uh... <laughs> just amazing. Just another Timberlayan. So Graham Ramsey is a Timberlayan. Wonderful news. <laughs> yeah. So um, Phil, I'm sure you've already chatted about this, but very, can you can you very very briefly, in a nutshell, tell me? what your take was on the whole concussion situation. Cause I, I did miss you not being on that podcast. Cause we've literally I, I, just I, done I, genu- 15 minutes on it, Tim. I just, can, can you, can you tell, I, I will listen to it properly. You tell me in a couple of sentences. So I, I agreed with everything you said. Um, I, I pretty much, um, on last week's pod, the bit I wanted to add was differentiating this, um, lawsuit with some of the previous concussions ones that we've seen like Killian Willis and uh, Jamie Cudmore oh, yes. for example which which are aimed at clubs rather than governing body exactly and the bit that I right. said is going to be difficult and interesting for this one is they're going to have to prove that World Rugby the RFU the WRU the unions basically their processes did not keep up with the science and that seems right. like a difficult thing to prove cool yeah, we obviously covered it in a lot more detail than that. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. And anyone that... that's listening now is going, I've just heard this, so it's fine. I will listen. <laughs> I was just, I just wanted to know. But yeah, uh, good, good. Uh, we haven't covered some things though, Tim. So we wanted to talk to you about, right at the top of the show, we've had lots and lots of uh, tweets about it. Dan McFarland, what, did, what, did, what was he thanking you for? <laughs> yeah, so I, I did the post-match chat with Dan McFarland and before the audio feed cut going back to the presenter team Craig and stuff you heard Dan McFarlane and I said Thank, thanks for your time Dan Thank, thanks very much Tim and then he walked off and turned and you just heard on the mic he said thanks very much for bringing up and then it cut off what did you bring up? <laughs> um, well I just brought up the fact that he was not very happy and well he looked vexed talking to the referee on the pitch after the game interesting um, which, which, evidently, he took that as maybe me, uh, as a banana skin. I genuinely just wanted to give him the, the the forum just to say what he felt, and he did say what he felt about a couple of decisions. So all I said was, just to be clear, is there anything else you wanted to get off your chest, or is that what you were talking about on the pitch afterwards? And at which point, Dan McFarlane was said, um, "Oh no, I was just saying, well done." Yeah, well done to him. <laughs> <laughs> must be frustrating, eh? Coaches, are, it must be frustrating. It's frustrating for everyone. So, oh dear, oh dear. I, I, I've got so much time for Dan McFarlane. I think he's doing a brilliant job at Ulster. And I, very selfishly, because, you know, I watch the Premiership week in, week out, I hope that one day an English side gets a chance to have him as the head coach. Well, funnily enough, DOR, there, I, there think, is, I think he'd be ace. There is an English side looking for a DOR, Tim. And I think your mates at BT Sport know who it is. Really? Why? Well, I can't think of a reason that uh, I oh I don't know. 
Alex Sanderson would not be watching um, would not be watching Saracens, who were playing Leicester on, on Saturday, to go and watch the sale game in the BT. I mean, BT Sport have got a finger on the pulse of a lot of things. And if you listen, to, if you've not heard a story, and then there's a weird BT Sport question about it, you know that there is a story. So the fact that they dragged Alex Sanderson in leads me to believe that Alex Sanderson must be very, very closely linked to linked, linked to Sale Sharks, more than just linked. Well, who knows if that is the case or not, but what I can say BT is Sport, that, no. that would be... If, if it is, it's total coincidence because that would have been booked two minutes several ago. weeks ago. Two minutes ago. No <laughs> way. I'm not having it. It would have been... Genuinely, it would have been booked several weeks ago. I, I guarantee you. Guarantee you. Now, that, that would be an interesting appointment. Um, how do you think neutrals mm. might feel about that appointment? That's a great question. I think, uh, uh, yeah, how would neutrals feel, JB? I, I can imagine they'd be delighted. The, do you know what? Neutrals are only interested in one person, and that is Alex Anderson. Alex mm. Anderson is the only person, I think. Uh, if it's not Paul Deacon, as it, uh, I think the neutrals would be very, very happy with Alex Anderson. Now, there is talk of a big-name coach coming. So I'll give you some... Uh, so this is how I understand the land to lie. Razi Erasmus is no. Uh, he's Otherwise he'd be a yes, except for the Lions. And why would you... You know, with the best one in the world... There's no way he's going to turn down a crack at the Lions. Yeah, just no. But if you could get Razi Erasmus for next season... No. Would you? No. No. I don't, I don't think it's a good appointment. The reason being is... Um, clubs need identity and I'm sure he will give an identity but I don't think there is enough in sale at the moment uh, for them uh, you know, if Razi Erasmus goes to Munster all right, it's Munster with Razi Erasmus at, at the helm Razi Erasmus goes to sale it's all about Razi Erasmus and I think a club needs to be about more than just one man um, as probably they're going to find out now that Steve Diamond's gone because it was so. It was all about one man. Yeah, it's all about one man. So it's got to be more. It's got to be about uh, more than that. So that's a no. Apparently, they've had some applications. Apparently, mm. so, the, so um, have you uh, dusted off your CV recently, Jay? Uh, I have sharpened it somewhat. <laughs> uh, so the normal candidates are in the frame. Die Young. Okay, um, I, I'd love that. Love that. Not for me, thank you. Uh, Stuart Lancaster again, not for me. That'd be ace. No, it wouldn't That'd be, be ace. ace. I'd love both, both of these so far. Well, I'd, yeah. I'd be all over that. Two great, yeah. two great men. I mean, I Lancaster. I, I like Lancaster. Why do you like Lancaster? It, it's much easier commute for him from Leeds to Manchester than it is from Leeds to Dublin. He's not. A, I, I think what we learned about Lancaster is a phenomenal coach, a really good coach, good man. He's not a top. He's not a head man though. Uh, I agree the highest level, but sales not the highest level, is it's it? It's nearly the highest level. It's, it's close to the highest it's level. Close to, I just the answer's no. I, I will, um, so so you'd like Alex Anderson? Uh, he the, would be a he would be a out on there with a whistle and his boots on kind of a coach. Yeah. Well, the other one, Tim, is Jim Mallander. History with the club. History with the club. Doesn't he still? So he's got a job at the. He's doing pathway. He's, he's the in charge of the pathways at the Scottish Rugby Union. That's right. He is now. Do you know why I don't like that appointment? Because I don't think that West and Malander combining at the top of the club is what I want to see mm. for neutrals. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. No, thank you. So that leaves you. Uh, with... There's some high caliber people there. Yeah, but Sanderson is the man. 
Sanderson is 100% iron. Give it to a guy who's not had a head coaching role before. Uh, do you know what I like about him? He's belligerent. He's super <laughs> belligerent. Like, you know, over the Saracen salary cap thing, didn't apologise. Just like, you know, this is about us. I'm going to focus on focus on, on my job. And I've got a lot of time for that. The there is thing... some... Go on. I was gonna, just going just gonna to say, just uh, that would continue a trend of young DORs. And there are others that who I'm sure we'll talk about where, where that particular direction has not it doesn't look like it's going going that well at the moment yeah but i'm not saying it wouldn't for him but i'm just saying it's it's quite interesting how young dors is a bit of is, is a bit of a thing think stuart hooper george skivington mm. has a couple of yeah. notable recent examples and can i give you a wild card to be his assistant next uh, next year go on wigglesworth Ooh, a, a playing assistant or yeah because i think wigglesworth is, was going to join this this year but things happened. Ah, okay. COVID and, COVID and, and, and Saracen's salary cap things and all the rest of it. But Wigglesworth and Sanderson is a ticket. Loving that. I'll tell you who you want. If you want belligerence, possibly the most belligerent man in all of rugby now that Steve Diamond is not mm-hmm. in rugby. Although Steve Diamond is still listed as a director as we speak. He's an active director in Manchester Sale Rugby Club. What's his date of birth? <laughs> that is a great question because... <laughs> it, it, his, the official papers on Company's House, where sale, th- their official company is registered, has two different date, dates of birth in two different places for Steve Diamond. Really? Really. <laughs> really. The mind boggles, isn't it? The mind boggles. Anyway, if, if you want pure... He's got a stage age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want pure belligerence, a man who is available now has just uh, shown that he, he still wants to keep his hand in at coaching. And I think could be a great appointment. I'd love to see it, Michael Checker. Oh yeah, so it's great. Uh, I don't know if I should drop this name. I'm speaking to a very well-known um, social media rugby guy this week. Very, very well-known. Very, 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 very talented. And he informed me something which I did not know. Michael Checker, much like Steve Diamond, is independently wealthy from, from rugby. And do you know what he does? Is he? I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah. Do you know? Do, do you know what he, he does? No idea. He's got an enormous jeans importing company, like one of the <laughs> biggest in Australia, from what I understand. <laughs> so Michael Checker, that's why he can do the Lebanese rugby league. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I like the idea of Michael Checker. Big I, time. I think that would be a great. Genuinely, I think it would be a lovely fit. Yeah, I, I, I do actually. Ooh, that'd be that'd be tremendous. <laughs> it would be exciting as well. You get Tim, you would get some good interviews with Checker. Oh, that'd be awesome, mate. <laughs> mate, that is so good. <laughs> but yeah, Wills with Sanderson. Um, Tim, well, we were we were going through the games, but obviously <coughs> you got some first-hand experience at two of them. Um, we touched on Ulster a little bit. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or do you want to touch on anything from the Munster game? Um. No, just, just just I'm sure you covered off Ulster. I I like the cut of their jib. Um, they were without some key men. They should have won that. They should have put it to bed. And as much as Dan McFarlane was disappointed about the um, the few referee decisions, I think with some merit in a couple of cases. I think as we as we've been saying lately, you can't leave it to chance. And they yeah. could have they could they could have put away a very handy Toulouse side, which would have been no mean feat even at home. Yeah, and, a, um, and I said earlier, a couple of mistakes and also yeah. not reacting quickly enough for the for both yeah. Toulouse's tries in the first half, and yeah. they could go, have gone in fourteen nil. Yeah, mm. yeah, I t- totally agree. And it was it was good to see their power game 
coming to the fore a bit. Um, so yeah, I, the, I think for that game, genuinely, I think with the with the teams that they're playing against, I think that was a. And this is when we look at the games overall. I think there were a number of games that were effective knockout games, mm-hmm. and that was one of them. I, I think I think Ulster won't qualify now just purely because of that defeat. Well, you can win all of your games, as I found out. So I made a jokey tweet, like, if you don't understand the system, think of it like, like this. Win all, win, win all your pool games, and then if you win all of your knockout games, you've got a good chance of winning the tournament. <laughs> uh, it turns out I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, no, I'm right. Good chance. But you could actually win all of your pool games and not go through. Oh, really? Correct. Yeah. Because oh, there's 12 teams in your pool. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ulster do have two other easy games, as in... Because they're uh, second seed, they're playing the bottom seeds. So, obviously, there's a bit of a paradox with it that Toulouse are one of the bottom seeds. Mm-hmm. But Gloucester are also a bottom seed. Oh. Yeah, they need to get 10, po- 10 points there. They got a bonus losing bonus point against Toulouse, didn't they? So Yes, they got one losing bonus if they, point. If they can get a losing bonus point or two away from home at Toulouse, then they might be in business. But It's possible. I, I, but you, I, I, I tend to agree with you, just given the size of the each of the pools. And, and Toulouse are playing Exeter, so had they lost against Ulster, I think they were likely to lose another game. I think you're going to have to win three games generally to get through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, so a lot of these I think are, are kind of knockout matches, effectively. Yeah. Uh, so, about, about as for Munster, really impressed with what they're doing down there. There's a, there's a lot of young players that are really stepping up, and even if it's not this season or next season. I can see a trajectory for Munster kind of getting back. They've got they've got a really nice blend of, of experienced players and some really good young players in important positions where where they need to fill. Connor Murray, you know, if he starts fading, then this lad Casey looks ace and uh, Ben Healy at ten as well. So and, yeah. and the and the lad I've not seen him before, but I've heard a lot about Gavin Coombs and he looks a he looks a player. Who was the young Academy lad that they, that they had in, in at twelve today? How did he go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, World Cup winner Damien Diallande. Oh, him, yes, <laughs> yeah, handy. I tell you handy. what, they, so, they they just build it the right way, don't, don't they? I mean, the Irish teams are easy to hate because they're so competent. Yeah, and, I mean, and so although this wasn't a brilliant performance by Munster by any stretch, but they like you. The, the conditions were horrible. Trust me, they were horrible. Was, was it as bad as it looked, or probably worse? It was. Re- it was really minging. Yeah, but it. Quinns, to their credit, they stuck in there for the full game. I mean, they yeah. they made... You, you raised it, obviously, with Gustard at the end, Tim. They gave away a huge amount of penalties, and th- uh, no team can go away in Europe and give three yellow cards away. Nah. Which, I mean, the, the third one, the Don Bram one, was just brain-dead. Yeah. To go in with no no arms tackle. He did, thankfully, he didn't do, do any damage, really, but it was... It was just a, a stupid... It, it, it probably um, was because of his frustration at that point in time that the game had gone away from Quinns already. It, it felt like Munster always had enough to, to, yeah. to win this I, I mean, one. Yeah, looking at you know, looking, looking at it ob- objectively, Munster dusted Quinns fa- fairly easily. But then, you know, just go back to my point about the Irish, you know, you've got Leinster as well, who you know, casually battered Montpellier. Absolutely battered Montpellier. And battered them. Now, Montpellier, one of these funny teams that, for as long as I can remember, Montpellier have had so many stars. Like, just one of the most expensive squads in the top 14. 
and just never been able to get it together, despite a string of coaches, despite a string mm. of captains. And the same, you, you look at the, the list, the team list, and you think, God, this Montpellier team's going to be handy. And then they just got battered and yeah. beat up, both up front and out wide. I'm just reading, I mean, you just go, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, I, I, oh my God. And this is just the reaction when you read the pack. Gerardo, <laughs> um, Hawass, you know, it just goes on and on and on yeah. and on. Vilemzi, a duplicy at number eight, another duplicy uh, on the bench. Yeah. Rattas, who's playing well, you know, it just goes on and on. Young, young, uh, man, young man Pickamoles on the bench. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, and then they score 14 points to Leinster's 35. Yeah. At home. So, yeah, I guess that just shows you the, the quality of Leinster. And uh, do yeah. you know, when I said about Sale, making this, this making this game of two mega teams about Sale, <laughs> I only said, like, they, they don't have enough identity yet for you know for some for some big name coach to come in and just dominate it. Well, look at these two teams. You know, they've uh, Montpellier have tried everything. They've tried big name coaches and they just don't have have an identity. Whereas that's all that Leinster have. Well, that and some class players. <laughs> but you know, they what I'm trying to say is Leinster shape, shapes the shapes the shapes the players. The players don't don't shape Leinster. And it's a big big difference that. Yeah, I would agree. I'd say just one thing I'll just say is a big big difference. Uh, there were some fans in uh, Ravenhill, sorry, the Kingspan. Is it Ravenhill? Or King, um, is it Kingspan still? It, it's the Kingspan Stadium, but it's Ravenhill. Let's be honest. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, there were some in on Friday night. Toman Park with no one in was. Oh, it's just it just brings it home probably more than any other ground uh, yeah. in the, in, yes. in the in the UK and Ireland. Yeah, of course. That place, that place being empty was just—it just felt wrong. Yeah. Well, it hope, just it felt it felt all kinds of wrong. Hope, hopefully, we're uh, we're near the end of this nonsense soon. Hopefully. Can I just say on on the on the trip to Limerick, um, nice little city actually. Quite enjoyed it. Although this, I gather, was the first Saturday night when um, the, the pubs had been reopened again, Ooh. and we didn't get we didn't get organised and book anything in advance. <sighs> so it was. Why, why don't you, all after? Why don't you just do what Sorry, you do? Why don't, why don't you just do what you do in Manchester? I've I've, I've seen you show, show, show up to pubs in Manchester and just say, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, everywhere was booked up, and um, yeah, it's probably for the best because we had Saturday night just kind of at a loose end, and and then the late game on a Sunday. So it, I, just, I was actually quite grateful. I was quite grateful for the rules because it could have gone very, very wrong. <laughs> who, am I allowed to ask who was in your hotel? Who, who did you share a beverage with or do you not share any beverages? Um, yeah, well, so the people that you would have... Well, so Flats, spent the weekend with Flats. That was a, a pleasure, obviously. Of course. Um, and Ali Eakin. Um, and, well, and just loads of the production team. Oh, that, are, awesome. that are wonderful people, but who's you know I could reel off a load of names, but you wouldn't you wouldn't care. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so there's only there's only the Racing game which I didn't see, and oh, I did see the last two games, which we'll just briefly talk about. Uh, crikey, I mean, I, I get it, right? Gloucester have got injuries. I don't think it's acceptable to throw out a team like this on your first game, though. I, I didn't see the post-match chat. What was? Did Skivington get put in a 
awkward spot in the chat? What did he say? No, because you know the Grand Prix was on on at the same time, so I was, I was flicking, I was flicking between both. So by half time, it was twenty six ten. And to be fair to the kids that Gloucester put out, I mean, genuine, genuinely, there are lads in the Gloucester first team that did not know who these boys were, like, 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 yeah. legitimately do not know who they are. Um, what's this guy like? I don't know. Never met the guy. Right. So uh, that, you know, so they are very it, it, almost strange. You're looking at basically a heartbreak team, right? Uh, Half time comes. They're the young goal kicker whose name escapes me. Barton, Bar- I think it might have been. Barton was the ten. Who had some nice touches. By the way, uh, you know, like the, the criticism here lies on the section of the team, not the team that went out. The team well, that went out, bloody put no, in of a course. shift. Yeah, absolute shift. They, they did, and they had some lovely touches going forward. They put the effort in going back. Yeah. It, it felt like. It felt like an, an A team, A league side going against a proper Premiership side. Yeah, because yeah, can that's we what just talk was. about? Can, can we just talk about what you think that signals to the rest of the squad? I, I think that is just a, an awful look Isn't on it? day one. I understand, like Chris Boyd was honest enough. They had a crack, and um, I don't know if he's spoken about Northampton, but yeah. they found they found another way. As Chris Boyd put it, they found another way to to lose. Yeah. Um, but Chris Boyd was quite honest after the game, going, "Yeah, we probably have to shift our focus. We might well include a few kids uh, next week." Yeah. But to 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 throw in the towel before a ball is kicked, it's wrong. Is, I, I it's wrong. I cannot believe Gloucester have done that. I, and it, I think it I think it sullies the name of the club. I'll, I'll go that far. I think it it does a disservice to all Gloucester fans. It does a disservice to the first team squad to basically say, you, "There's no point." Yeah, I, I wasn't going to go that far, but because you've done it, I will back you up on that. Yeah, basically, um, you know, there are teams that enter the European competitions, and realistically, they have no hope. But you don't enter in your first game with no hope. It's okay if you do it, like you say Chris, with Chris Boyd, last game of the pools. It's not okay to do it straight up. It just isn't. You need if you can only put out five of your first teamers, put them out there. That that's they worked too hard, in my opinion. To try and get in, to try and get into Europe, to get into Europe, only to have yeah. that opportunity taken away. Yeah, and it, it, it's not like they were travelling to. Um, I, won't, I won't say it, but a, a lesser team. Mm. They were travelling to Lyon, yeah. who uh, finished in the top two last year in um, the top fourteen, and they put out a very serious side. Yeah, this this Lyon side is class, class right throughout it. Goujon, Cretin. Um, ooh, and uh, Bastard in the in the back row, yeah. But Cretin's class, Goujon is one of the most underrated players in all of the top fourteen. Xavier Chucky, um, Felix Lombi, who was Felix Lombi is awesome. Isaac Roda playing alongside him, yeah. Uh, and and the back three, uh, Nakatasi, the Mignon who got a hat trick, uh, and Toby Arnold looked class at fullback. They, they, uh, it, it seems. A totally ridiculous decision from Gloucester. Yeah, I really dislike it. I, you know, and there's no point in you know, reiterating that yet again. Um, but what? You know, well, given that you're going to have to win an away game to go through, you would imagine have a crack on day one because you know you, you'd like to think that any Gloucester side in any era would think they would give themselves a chance of getting a result at home. Yeah. So 
it, it, you have a crack on day one, and uh, yeah, it just I, I, I was flabbergasted when I saw that side, so, and I going into yeah. half time right, they had a kick and they missed it. It was a kick from distance. That's what I was about to say. And if they'd have got it, they basically would have been thirteen points to twenty six, which is, obviously is a big deficit. But bear in mind who these lads are. Oh, that's one hell of an effort. One hell of an effort. And you think if you just had two or three guys, you might have been competitive for you know the rest, of, you know at least the rest of the game. And they were always going to struggle for the last twenty because that's what professional teams do. And that's exactly that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, now, just on a uh, tangential note, I'm looking for a new job. Don't know if you know this. Um, I'm I looking, didn't know this. Yeah, I am. Are you uh, leaving Bidmore, Bidmore, Bidmore and Bidmore? Well, it's more of a supplemental job, because what I have planned is I want to earn no less than £300,000 a year. Okay. No, n- n- not a penny Not a penny less. less, yeah. You won't get out of bed for less than £300,000 no, a year. You could, be, you could be a winger for... You should be the winger for Worcester Warriors. That's what they're paying Iron Do, apparently. Is that right? Well, that's what was in the rugby paper today, yeah. Ooh. Iron Do going to Worcester. Well, Ooh. I was thinking I could be Gloucester's next starting fly-half. Uh, because I could take the, I could take the money, but I'd never have to show up. <laughs> what, what do you think, lads? I, th- I think it's good. I th- I think I could I could make in the season so far at least as much impact as Danny Cipriani has on that <laughs> Gloucester team this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I could make broadly the same impact. What What do you boys think? <laughs> I think you could. Yeah, I think you could. Yeah, so no comment. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely don't know what's going on with the Cip, with Cipriani. Yeah. I don't know. I, now, I'm I'm fascinated by his Instagram. Yeah. Well, okay. Joking aside, because I really don't, don't don't know what's going on with Sippers, but I don't think he's injured, is he? Not not as far as I'm aware. I've not heard that he's injured, and I'm kind of getting a bit concerned about the whole situation now because I'd like to see him play again. Yes. Uh, yes. He's not been seen at Gloucester for a long time, so I, I would I would love to know what the story is. Did you watch this game, Jay? You, you did, didn't you? I did. I watched all of How did How did you like Bastero? Um, to be honest, I don't think he was particularly tested. Oh, no, he was. I, I just I was focusing focusing on him quite a bit, and I I just I was marveling at him. He would just walk from uh, kind of rook to rook, mm. contact to contact, and then he would just conserve all his energy, and then he'd have. One good carry, or what he was really effective at, was turning the ball over. Uh, getting over breakdowns. Getting over the breakdown. Well, you know, he's such a big lad. And if you think Low about... Low centre of gravity. Well, think about what Dan Cole does. Uh, not the penalty machine part. <laughs> but like when he's really effective, he does get over breakdowns. And props are phenomenal at this, because they're such big-bodied humans, and they're low to the ground anyway. He'd had this wide stance. Yeah. Big hips, wide stance. He was just immovable when he was down there. Do you know Jack Willis can do the splits? No, but I do know that Alan Wynne Jones can do the splits. I, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I know Alan Wynne Jones can do the splits. I would have guessed that Jack Willis could do the splits. Yeah, and that is part of how he gets so low. And someone told me that Alan Wynne doing. By the way, Alan Wynne doing the splits is <laughs> that was that was spectacular. Sublime, isn't it? Amazing video. <laughs> I need to learn to do the splits now, so I can be a bit more like Alan Wynne Jones. <laughs> yeah, but, but but somebody told me that the other day, and I was like, huh. That's interesting. And then I thought about... Uh, there's actually an image in my head of Jack Willis. And he does have an incredibly wide stance when he's juggling, yeah. juggling for the ball. Yeah, well, Bastereau was doing that yeah. beautifully. And these three academy lads were just three, four of them just running into a brick wall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would just say on the Bastereau thing, he has the luxury of two back rows. I mean, Kratan in particular is 
a very hard worker. I mean, he works his nuts off. And Goujon is about as intelligent a back row as you're going to find in the top 14. So, you know, great got... names for flankers, aren't they? Goujon and Cretin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great names. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Cretan, I think is how you say it. It's like yeah. Bouquet and Bucket. Um, Cretan was the, the open side who scored that 40-yard try yes. late in the second half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he he really is very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, you, you can afford to conserve Bastro and get him over the game line. You can in games like this. It'd be interesting to see, because yeah. they're up there, and, and I think they will be up there the, this year, but um, how they manage it. Well, generally speaking, you do have one guy who doesn't do all the hard work. Now, a lot of them do try and you know put themselves about. But, you know, when, when Leon put out their first-team pack, they've got players like Bamba, um, up front, who just run and run and run anyway. So they've got a load of modern type players, and then if you want to carry Bastro to make to do all of his bits and pieces, and oh, do you know, if you're setting up in a system where you're playing, I don't know, two forwards wide and then four forward on the middle, and you want to put Bastro up you know, in in that wide channel, that's a, not a bad place for him, is it? Yeah, you, you can use him. You can use him intelligently. Yeah, and, and he's he's very very good at the things that he does. Yeah, or you know, a three, uh, two pods of three and two wide outside. Whatever, whatever it is, you can use him. French teams in general look good, don't they? They're, they're, I, I, I wonder how much Premiership sides are a bit undercooked because they're only three weeks into a season versus. This, you know, a couple of months that the French sides have been at it. Interesting. Well, yeah, we were having this debate almost the other way round um, earlier because the Premiership, while they're only three weeks into it, what did they have? Three weeks off? Four weeks off? So they, they've been playing almost continuous rugby since July, August when oh, they yeah. started. Oh yeah. But it, it's it is weird because it's because you've had the punctuated season. Uh, they've probably not had the. Um, other than Exeter, who basically played every single week, they had, they, I think Exeter had like two weeks off. Um, they've, they've not had the, the continuous run of games. You've not been like focusing on one thing. You've been focused on two totally, or now three totally separate things. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, the, the French international players were with their clubs last week. That might have been a significant factor. Yes, yeah. that that would have helped. But you, you're right. The French clubs have done very very well. With, with the exception, but La, La, La Rochelle won away, and as you say, Leon looked impressive. Toulouse got a win away. Racing did a job. Yeah. Who else? Two Toulon won at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, unless of course the European is just a reflection of what we know about the Premiership, which is the Premiership comprises of lots of kind of good teams. They're nearly good, and Exeter. Uh, yeah, I formerly Exeter and Saracens. Yeah, lots of good teams who could be good on one day, and overall could f- range between very poor and decent, and then Exeter and Saracens. Yeah, so Exeter actually um, did better against. No, sorry, let me guess right. Gloucester's kids did better score wise, I think, uh, than uh, against Leon than Glasgow's adults did against Exeter. Yes, Exeter. <laughs> I mean, this was just... They just beat them up. They just consistently, for 80 minutes, totally beat them up. Yeah. And beat them up up front and then ran rings around them out wide because O'Flaherty, Hogg and Woodburn all had brilliant games. Amazing, isn't it? It's genuinely amazing. It's one of those games that's boring, it's so (laughs) one-sided. And 
Glasgow, great outfit, great organisation. I mean, I really genuinely mean that. I've got a ton of admiration for, for them. They're known for their nice rugby, and they've got some bloody good players. Look at that back, look at that back line. And the, I mean, okay, they don't have their ten, but Peter Horn's no mug, and, and he's, he's played. Not, he's played international ten. Yeah, Adam Hastings isn't, isn't worth forty-two points. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, correct. Uh, just an absolute beatdown of epic proportions. It re- it really really was, and it's Exeter. I mean, they're just doing it week in week out. They've they've conceded one try this season. <laughs> oh my god, they're absolute jokes. Uh, uh, phenomenal. Yeah, well, they're European champions for a reason, and judging by this, it's going to be bloody difficult to uh, take that crown off them. Now, two, so they play Toulouse next week, don't they? Because the, the two teams... Away. Or the, the three teams that... Um, oh, no, that's, let's say there's four teams that could beat them in my mind. There's Go on. Leinster. Yep. Uh, yes. Clermont. Yes. Yes. Racing and Toulouse. And one more. Go on. Bristol. No. no. Bristol have got the form. No. Uh, they've got the form again against against Exeter. Uh, not in my mind. No. That's no. a fact. They've beaten they've beaten them at Sunday Park. No, yes, sorry. I I think they can beat them. Yeah. I don't think they'd beat them in a, a top level game. It, it, Premiership knockout. They could beat them in a one off league game. They couldn't beat them in a knockout game. What about Leon? Possibly, yeah. Mm. Possibly, I've not seen enough of Leon. Yeah, any 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 team can be Exeter, but it's just like big game. Who do you who do you actually put yeah. good money on? Uh, I guess, being able to yeah. do a job. And the four you said, I think, are are the ones with pedigree. I I, I, I think um, there are clubs that are close to joining that. Uh, uh, Munster on a good day at home could do it, and uh, like you say, Leon if they were at home. But teams going to Sandy Park, there's not many. No, there's not, is there? There's really not. Uh, yes, yeah. are they playing next week? Are the games next week, or have we got a week off, or what, to, to to lose away <sighs> next week. Excellent. Oh, and just one last one because we, we to lose the Exeter. We haven't spoken about it one bit yet, but wasps, wasps actually had a, a rare win for English teams, and they and they beat the Dragons. Yes, I've seen the tries. Yeah, against the, the COVID-riddled Dragons. Oh yeah, they had six positive tests that only got announced hours before kickoff. Was it? Yeah, and I and I think what I don't know whether Wasps as a whole club or whether Wasps players had the option not to play if they so chose. Yeah, interesting. So I wasn't even aware of that storyline. The only storyline that I was aware of was Paolo Adogu played th- uh, a thirteen, which I find very interesting because I've watched this kid for a long, long time. I've never thought he would be a thirteen, but apparently he did. You see his hands? Well. No. Do you see his hands for the for the? There was one try he scored where he just he. Uh, he was someone was right on him, about to smash him, and he just he just took the ball and immediately pinged it a flat twenty yard pass. Did he? Good just lad. put the winger in for a try. It was awesome. Yeah, he's, he he had a great um, fake as well for the cruise dog try. Which I don't know oh, that he... might be the one I'm thinking of. I watched it on a phone. Did he? Did he just <laughs> let the ball go across him? Yeah, he just on that one. He just let the ball go across. It was a brilliant pass, uh, pass from uh, uh... Robson, but it was a great hold in line and almost like a fake from a, a doggo. 
and then Cruise Dog went twenty yards into the corner. Yeah. I can, I well, can... it was such a, it was such a good fake. I thought it was. I thought, it was a, I thought he'd actually caught it and passed it. Yeah, he's a, he, yeah. So it's interesting. He spent a lot of. He actually played for Sale quite a bit before all all the money came in. I can tell you right now, he is one of rugby's good guys. So it's awesome to see him. I mean, I never yeah. thought he'd be in at, thir- at thirteen, but he is. And I tell you what, he's Doggers. a seriously powerful runner. Yeah, Ser- I mean, he runs over props for fun. Well, that was you know for Sale FC, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, uh, he did play you, uh, thirteen for Sale FC, didn't he? Did he? I I, I'm sure he did. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, certainly not. Have not you um, uh, so have you mentioned Claremont? No. What happened? <laughs> yes, we mentioned Claremont. Did you mention it? Yeah, good. We did good, mention good, Claremont? Good. Yeah. My God, they're impressive. So yeah, good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, well, we get to talk about all these teams again ne- next week, don't we? So shall we go through? Well, the... There's two games we've not really touched on. Who? I won't take long on them because I was going to talk about it before, but we, uh, I think Tim joined us. Bath Scarlets. Yes, quite. Well uh, done, Tim. Uh, well, well done, Phil. Uh, from a, watching this, kind of wanting Bath to win, but then recognising that Bath never really deserved to win, so therefore switching to wanting Scarlets to win in the end. <laughs> it was a frustrating game. Uh, not a brilliant game by either team. Um, it was good to see Steph Evans back and looking pretty good I heard he had a good game yeah he did have a good game he, he was doing some damage he had um, he beat Joe Thokken a singer a few times um, Bath though just, 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 just on that with Joe Thokken a singer is we've spoken about the diminutive wingers during the Autumn Nations Cup but there is a there, there feels like there's a trend that the big winner, wingers are aren't as effective. Nandolo, obviously, for Fiji against Georgia w- would be an exception, but Nairavoro and uh, Thok and a singer. Stockdale. And then you've got guy. Yeah, and then you've got guys like, um, was it Rattes or Retier? I can't yeah, remember Rat- which one. Rattes. Who, who's very R- Rattes good. and Colby, obviously, and you've just got these small, nippy wingers seem to be in vogue at the minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Um, yeah, with Thok and a singer... He just, on at least a couple of occasions, he just goes too high. He just he doesn't bend his back, and he's kind of flailing his arms around uh, Steph Evans' chest. Yeah. And Steph Evans, he's not a huge bloke, but he's got a low centre of gravity, good, strong stance, and he just goes around him. I hate to say it, but I think for a lot of these big wingers, these big lads, they're probably too good, too talented to be any good. If you are a small lad, if you're a Steph Evans or a Colby, you've got to be perfect almost all the time because the consequences of not being perfect are death, probably. You know, yeah, like, when, you, when you're thucking a singer and you can run a 10.5 second 100 metres and you're 6'3 and 105 kg, yeah. for your whole rugby playing life, you have just been dominant, scoring tries for fun. George North, dominant. Yeah, and uh, then you get to a point where you're playing against the big boys and that's not good enough. Yeah, uh, I think it happens a lot. Whereas, you know, Colby has to be on his game all the time. That was it. Um, Halfpenny went round him at one point. That's bad. Which is not. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's never a good sign. Yeah, we might need to have. We might need to have a sit down. If Halfpenny put, review of that. Yeah, if Halfpenny puts feet on you and goes past you. Although, yeah, when Halfpenny first showed up on the on the scene, he was nippy. 
So he played. There was one uh, game in particular. Yeah, no, playing no, for Cardiff. Now that, he, that is eleven or twelve years ago now. Yeah, do you know? I had a <laughs> cracking conversation last night with a friend of mine about rugby players, obviously, because that's what I talk about. Um, and he was talking about George North, and a comment about George North. Oh, he's declining. And my mate said, "Yeah, he's declining." Because he's got 70-odd Welsh caps. He's been playing the highest level of rugby since he was 18. You'd be declining too. Like, <laughs> this is what happens. And then he gave me a list of all these players. That, like, he compared them to Wayne Rooney. And I'm sure he was repeating someone when he said this. So I'm not saying it's his idea, but he certainly conveyed it to me. Uh, like, Wayne Rooney had a massive drop-off. But he was been, he's been playing for England since he was 17. So if you think about the average time a player plays rugby for... Um, George North has already massively exceeded that. No wonder he might not be as effective as he once was. Yeah, it's an interesting one because there's players who do book that trend. Who like, are you thinking uh, of? Well, Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment. Yes, is just on another planet. He um, is, isn't he? Uh, Jimmy Gopeth is probably another one, although he's never played internationally. Yeah, which is perhaps key. So you you're naturally reducing your game time. Well, the one thing, yeah. The flip the flip side is the flip side is like. Um, Brian O'Driscoll, let's take him as an example. Yeah. Bod would have got into any international team, yep. but he would never have played the number of test matches he would have done if he'd been English because he'd have played 20 premiership games a season. Yeah, well, and Sex- Sexton's the same. Sexton's played Sexton's the some- same. somewhere between 6 and 8 pro t- uh, 12 pro 14 games a year. Well, I think I might have under- I think I might be understanding some Eddie Jones logic now. So one of the players that I'd worry about definitely would be Tom Curry. Tom Curry or Underhill. Yeah, because they have started young and at a high level and they are getting absolutely battered week in, week out. Yeah. But what would you want if you were about to run one of your Currys into the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Am I mad? Um, Lewis Ludlam. (laughs) Of course. Of course, of course. Lewis Ludlam, that's it. He's just just unofficial unofficial cloning. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have a a backup, isn't it? Yeah, so once Ben Curry's been... No, Tom, so Tom Curry has been destroyed by England. Yeah, his knees have both blown out, his neck's gone, shoulders are gone. Ben Curry. Exactly. That's what it is. So, yeah, Ben Curry. I don't know who's got the best of, the, uh, best of this deal, come to think about it. Though. <laughs> hmm. Mind your time, Ben. Yeah. There, so, there so that Bath game, and then the other game that I watched, which was disappointing, was Edinburgh-La Rochelle. It was such a disappointing game. It, oh, I forgot that happened. Yeah, and it's such a lovely time to watch rugby. That that time I had a couple of beers with it, mm. and it was just disappointing. And disappointing from Edinburgh, who I've liked over the last couple of years, and disappointing from La Rochelle because I was expecting big things from uh, Ronan O'Gara's team. Still but, drink, uh, still drinking, all you feel? Uh, I had a few beers last night. <sighs> I did. I, I was listening to your. Um, podcast when you mentioned oh, Phil's drinking off drinking around <laughs> London and I was like uh, maybe maybe I had a great evening what, uh, down in London what do you get to so obviously uh, you can only have a drink with a substantial meal <laughs> yes but I, I quite like if I'm going to go for a few drinks uh, I quite like going to a few different places so I went to uh, Soho Carnaby Street and went to four or five different bars and ordered, like, a small plate starter. Oh, very nice. And a glass of wine. Oh, I had a Negroni to start off. And then a glass of wine in each one uh, with... I had some oh, some pork belly in an Italian place. I had some ceviche in a Ooh. Peruvian place, a lovely glass of Viognet in there. Uh, I had a Gavi. I had some uh, dumplings in a Malaysian place. 
it was just, and I took my book with me, read a, read a bit of my book. I love doing that. Oh, such a lovely evening. I love taking a book or, or, or a, magazine with, a magazine with me to a bar and just reading it cover to cover. But sadly, I'll end up on my phone on Twitter arguing. Yeah. Now, the ridiculous thing, <laughs> I, I, that, that is ridiculous, actually. But I did, I spent nearly 100 quid doing it. On my own on a, I think that's on a Wednesday reasonable. evening. Perfectly reasonable. I've, I've hardly been out in months, so I really enjoyed it. And actually, I hope you ended well, up on the Carnaby Street uh, pub watch on for that. Oh yeah. That that's that substantial meal. It just that is a farce. The whole thing's a farce. And so, <laughs> so I was in Limerick last night. Like it was such slim pickings. Like I say, we we got to a eventually got a pub that would accommodate uh, a group of us, albeit on you know several tables next to each other. Yeah. I just find the whole thing patronising that you have to eat r- yeah. rather than drink to start with. It's just patronising, but but secondly, it's so bad for you. The I'm I'm my body is craving like broccoli. And, <laughs> I've treated my body horrifically the last few days. Yeah, uh, you know, I think I'd buy a meal now because I don't want to eat every time I drink and just give it to a homeless person afterwards. Just just keep it on just keep it on the table. Yeah, can I, I can have it, it? Can I have it to go? <laughs> yeah. And and then, just, someone was just, telling me. Someone was telling me about a restaurant in in the town where they live, um, which they had a photo shoot for their um, for their food, and they just keep the photo shoot plates of food and just put uh, it out on the tables it. for people. But I tell you what, in case anyone like, comes around, like a, and I'm not saying you should use this loophole. But maybe just charge people a cover charge for notional food which you never give them. And at the end of the day, just give it to homeless people. Hmm? Here, here is a cover charge. We will put these sandwiches on your on, on your table. Do not open up the packets. Drink away. And then when when you want to go, we'll round up all the food and give it to homeless people. There you go. Done. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great shout because, yeah, it, it's, it's anyway, it, it's a bloody fast. Or throw it in fast. an incinerator. I, I don't really mind which, <laughs> which way it goes. Uh, right. Um, that was important rugby chat. That um, was yeah. important rugby chat. So Edinburgh lost to um, La Rochelle. We all knew yeah, that, that was coming anyway. Yeah, Edinburgh were disappointing. And, and La Rochelle were disappointing, but uh, they played the game in a smart way. Mm. Um, just, and, and just, uh, just to double back very, very briefly on Bath, not wanting to open up a conversation, just to make the point, as we've been saying before, we thought they'd turned a corner, but... Th- we were wrong. It's, uh, we... Yeah, there's... there's there's a few little creaks. I don't know what they do because they, they can't buy any better players. Or maybe no. they can. Maybe they can buy players that gel together better, but they can't get much better individuals. No, they really can't. Oh, and that, that's one thing that frustrates me. I've seen it a few times recently, in, in recent weeks actually. Schoolboy finishing of two on ones. And <laughs> Zach, Zach Mercer and Thokkana Singer again it sounds like I'm having a real go at Thokkana Singer at the moment which I'm, I'm not I think he's a great player I thought you hate him but and this was Zach Mercer's fault actually Zach Mercer and Thokkana Singer have a two on one with Gareth Davis and Zach Mercer just eats up the space basically allows Davis to drift and passes the ball when they're both in the five metre channel madness and Davis manages to get a kind of half tap tackle yeah. and Thokkana Singer goes into touch it, it was all, all it needed was straighten, fix Davis, pop pass. And, and you know we you, you know we talk about the there's been a lot of talk recently. Well, no, firstly, how good was the quality of rugby this weekend after everyone's been talking about the uh, the, the sort of negative style of rugby? But just to sort of go back to the 2011 and 2015 New Zealand teams that won the World Cup kicked more than anyone else. Yep. However, when they had any sniff of a chance like that, 
they nail it. Yes, that that's it. That's an important thing to add because it's not just about running everything from everywhere. You've got to earn the right to play ball, but then when you've earned the right, you've got to execute. And Bath did not do that. So I'm just gonna let's let's just let's just play director of rugby for one second. Look at this Bath team. Absolutely magnificent, isn't it? It really is magnificent. Um, and look, I'm just looking at the bench. The bench is pretty good too. Who is the player that you're going to take out of that team, and who is the player that you're going to add so they actually win some games? Um, maybe a proper world class ten. Yes, I don't think it's a ten. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, the, the honest answer is I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a player thing. I think it is. I think it's a coaching. Or it, it's, it's not the individuals. It might be the combination of players. Yeah. But I don't know that. I, I suspect it's more of a, a coaching thing. The the guy I would bring in, if it's going to be, if it was going to be a ten, it would be an Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell, Andre Pollard. Uh, I don't know if Andre Pollard has the same kind of, you know, that winner's drive. Which you know, World, that, World Cup winner Andre Pollard. Yeah, but like you know, he had a lot of other guys around him with that, with that steel, and that's what Bath need. They need that sort of, that leadership. Andre Pollard, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they'd be happy with Andre Pollard. Yeah, but like short of that, they I think they need I don't know like a Alan Wynn or so I don't know because Alan Wynn's not actually won it won much with uh, with Ospreys. Someone that knows how to win club games. Someone like I, uh, I would. Well, I tell you who. I mean, Whitelock. Yes, that that will do. Sorry, Tim. That would be good. I know. I was going to say I, I don't want to be unkind because I don't really know enough about Gervin Dempsey. So I, you know, maybe he just needs to be allowed to do his job better. So I'm not I'm not criticising him per se, but uh, I would just find the world's best attack coach. Yeah. Well, Gervin Dempsey, interestingly enough, uh, was interviewed by a friend of mine, and he said he was incredibly impressive. And Gervin Dempsey's been there for three years now, hasn't he? He started under Blackadder. Mm. God. So it's not like he's a new appointment. But yeah. that's an interesting point, Tim. Yeah. Maybe it, that's exactly what they do. It is, because they're not making the most of the talent that they've got. That said, do you know who allegedly, and I say allegedly, uh, um, right, the highest rated English attack coach is probably... Vesti? Yeah, and look how his team's playing. Yeah, which is a fair point. So it's not always that It's not always, always that easy. And I think with Northampton's case, it is 100% the players that just are not getting over the line. Because they've, they've got everything. They've yeah. got everything, and if you can't throw, if you can't throw your arrows, or if you can't execute moves, or if you just don't want to win, win enough, you're not going to win. And sometimes it is I'll tell you what, I, I absolutely love Bath, the city. I lived there, got got my first house there, went to uni there, loved it, absolutely love it. But again, just having been to Limerick, lovely little town, but you you can understand why the uh, Limerick as a city and and the area around produces some tough tough men. Oh, Whereas yeah. Bath, Bath, maybe you look at right. Farley House, that Farley House training ground, and the whole context of Bath, you're not. It's it's you need that they need to produce it like a Danny Grucock yeah. style, someone someone horrible. That said, that said, do you know who would look fantastic in blue, white, and black, and would have no problems fitting into Farley House? Ooh. Uh, Mario Toji. Correct. That's exactly who I'm thinking of. <laughs> he would look good. He would look phenomenal in, in that kit. <laughs> and he'd look phenomenal in Farley House. He would. And he'd be look, he, looks phenomenal, he looks phenomenal in his uh, polo Ralph Lauren with his family. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, his, if his future is not playing for Racing, 
no one's future is playing for Racing. I mean, that is <laughs> that is destiny. That it's yeah. such a perfect fit, isn't it? I bet second to that would be Bath, and then third to that would be coming back with Saracens. So those are the only places that he should be. Yeah, I, I think he he will do most almost his whole career at Saracens, and then maybe the last two or three years in France. Big couple of last paychecks. Yeah. Although uh, the other landing place I could see for him would be to revive Leicester Tigers single-handedly. <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough ask. It is, but like they need a, a they need a Martin Johnson successor, don't they? They need yeah. they need a focal point, and I can't think of anyone who'd be a better focal point. Yeah, mm. fair point. Mm. Right, let's get into the games then. Let's do that. Do you want me to rattle, rattle through rattle through the Champions Cup? Okay, uh, Friday night, Scarlet's Toulon. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. There is one tiny, very small little thing I, I need to mention. The the bollock-grabbing, uh, oh, ridiculous yeah. event in Stad versus Benetton. Didn't see it, so I can't comment. I've... Yeah, two red cards. Two red cards, bollock-grabbing on both sides. And, uh, yeah. How on both sides? No. Isn't that mutual, then? Oh, sorry, not. <laughs> I was, was, sorry, not. Leonardo Sato had his genitals grabbed... And he, I can't remember the name of the player who grabbed them. And it was an aggressive grab as well. He then threw a punch, uh, kind of chest head. Um, they yes. both they both got a red card, yeah. which is probably right. I think I think Leonardo Sato will have have his uh, either rescinded or they will just say that's it, sufficient and no more consequence. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the um, aggressor. This is not like a Joe Marler little tweak, like Alan Jones. Not saying that that no. is acceptable, but. This this will have a serious ban. Wow! This yeah. will have a twelve, eighteen, or more week ban. Yes, and, and should do. So I'm really happy that um, you mentioned Leonardo Sato because I can rec- I can I can tell my Leonardo Sato story again for the eighth time. before you tell your before you tell your Leonardo Sato story and, and take it in that uh, tangent, just uh, on this, I almost I felt sorry for the guy that got the second red because. Uh, almost that you need to. There's a few things where you just uh, there should just almost be a fair play call. Just like oh well, yeah, I, yeah, I think you you, des- you you deserve that. Like gouging, um, fish hooking, or grabbing your bollocks. Just why yeah, does fish you, if, you get filled, get the... if you get filled in, yeah, yeah. Where did why, that go? Yeah, but why does fish hooking get the same rap as gouging and, and bollock grabbing? Because it's clearly not. I mean, it's uncomfortable, but it's not life changing, <laughs> is it? You've never had a proper fish hook then. Oh, I've, I've done jujitsu. <laughs> 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 it's horrible, but you know it's not that bad. Um, I, I it should almost be a, if you get filled in for that, then it's just like well, you know, we'll we'll let that go. I, I think that's probably what will happen in the um, disciplinary committee. Yeah, I think I think Sato will probably get off, and I've just looked it up. It's Charlie Rourke. Who's um, he? No idea. But who was he? I, I think I think he will get a long, long ban. Silly, silly Charlie. Yeah, so uh, my favourite Leonardo Sato story. Um, <laughs> when played for Glasgow against Leicester. Uh, uh, yeah, in the change room, Le- Le- Leicester show up, and he's uh, and allegedly he said to to Tim Swinson of, of all people, uh, "They are Leicester Tigers. <laughs> they they are too good." And then they battered them by about thirty points. <laughs> and, and you were there for that very game. Oh. I was. Yeah. Imagine saying that like pre-game to all your teammates as they're trying to get G'd up. <laughs> we, we we have no chance. They are Leicester Tigers. They are too good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Right. Love it. Games. Champions Cup games. Scarlet's too long. Of judging from what I saw, too long. And the 
these guys, I seem to remember these three being a pool, in a pool either last year or the year before. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yes, you're right, actually. They, Bath, they Scarlet's, Toulon. Because I remember looking at the Toulon guys in the tunnel and they were just... I'm sure Scarlet's won huge at home against Toulon. But I could be wrong uh, about that. Hmm. Yeah, that was the one where um, Tyg Byrne, who had some incredible touches for Munster, by the way, that yeah. that, that left left boot spiral was awesome. But yeah. uh, no, he did that. He did that like incredible schoolboy esque step and try against Bath at the Rec for Scarlets. When yeah, the three those three teams were in the same pool. You're right. So, uh, anyone think that uh, Toulon are going to win? Yes, I I think they're going to win handily. Uh, what? I I think Scarlets. What? Give me, give me Scarlet. I think, I think Scarlet's, no, I think Scarlet's at home. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just going. To, I'm just going with the home side. Although, as we saw, a lot of away wins this weekend. Give yeah, me two. No, no, no crowd. Bloody massive. Um, yeah. I'll, what the heck? I'll go Scarlet's. Okay. Yeah. Come on, Scarlet's. Uh, interesting game. Wasps who are finding some form against Montpellier. The danger here is that Wasps are. You know, they lose the game before they they basically all act like Leonardo Sato <laughs> yes uh, look at the names on the team sheet rather than the results that Montpellier have been putting together yeah that said Wasps Wasp can definitely win this yeah but Wasp, but will they yeah Montpellier are losing getting battered at home their confidence for an away win is not going to be high so yeah give me Wasps give me Montpellier Pelly. Uh, no, give me wasps. No, no, no. Give me Montpellier. <laughs> give me Montpellier. You love massive French teams. Yeah, I do. There's no choice about that. Uh, Glasgow Lyon. I can't call that one. What's uh, the next one? Sorry. Glasgow Lyon. Glasgow at home. Lyon. Mm. Lyon going for a visit. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If Leon play anything like they did, Leon... Well, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll extend that. If both teams play yes. anything like they did, Leon. <laughs> Leon. Tim? Yeah, the, 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 ordinarily I would go Glasgow... I'd just go home win for a lot of these, but I actually think without a crowd, I'm going to go Leon because they don't travel well. Leon, generally speaking, but yeah. um, it's a different different kettle of fish at the minute. So yeah, and they'll look good on the plastic pitch. They will. Leinster, Northampton, Leinster. What a game! By, by I mean, this has got a lot of history to it as well. 
It has got a lot of history. This I will mean, be one, one to forget for, for Northampton. I if have... you've if you've never gambled before because you uh, you know are scared, don't start. You you might lose. Then obviously the advice would be don't start unless a company want to come and sponsor our podcast. Yes, um, exactly. In which case, gamble um, away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but but I, I would suggest putting as much money as you have, maybe even remortgaging your house on a yeah. short-term bridging loan to bet on Leinster <laughs> to get back your very, very modest winnings. Um, you, might, yeah. you might get... Which you will get. One, one pence for every £100,000 you bet on this game. And 100,000 points, you might add. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a very tricky one. Northampton, oh, come on, come on. <laughs> Why Leinster now? Anyway, um, this is going to be a forty or fifty point win for Leinster. Agreed. It's not even going to be close. It, it's not. Um, La Rochelle Bath. Now this has got loser written all over it. Two teams <laughs> who are massively talented. Um, La Rochelle are actually doing well in their league. Top La, of the league. Do you know what La Rochelle are? They're the team Bath should be. Yeah, that's exactly what they do you are. Know- yeah. I, I, I want us to go on a on a an away trip to La Rochelle because the, the stadiums the the the, um, the crowd are absolutely insane. Yeah, really cool little stadium. But it's also where you both it's, it's not a it's not a mad it's not a mad ha- mad happening part of France. However, it is where Brandy is from. No, it's, it's no. Is it? Is it brandy? Yeah, it's brandy. If it's not brandy, we'll find some. Um, <laughs> it's it's also uh, the scene of the TV series Das Boot, which is one which is one of my favourites. Ah, nice. Ah. And, and it's got all the U boat pen, uh, pens there. I don't know if you can visit them. Probably. So I have got an enormous uh, wine map of France in my kitchen, and I'm going to look up because there's there is. I'm sure the the cognac region is not. I don't think it's La Rochelle, but I don't think it's it's on that. Uh, I'm sure it's on that west coast. west coast. Yeah, maybe between La Rochelle and Bordeaux, somewhere along there. It's only fair that we find out. Mm. Yeah, Cognac is, I'm just looking on a map, it is uh, closer to La Rochelle than Bordeaux, but it is exactly in that region. So, well yeah. done. Well done. That sounds like fun. Um, mm. What did I find out today? KN, as in KN Pepper. Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. No, I'm not going to say that because I'm going to sound stupid. I might... Yeah, it's just go on, say it. Go on. Yeah, unless it's a coincidence, um, it comes from a, a place called Cayenne, right? I, no, so I thought Cayenne pepper was just like ground chili, basically like dehydrated and ground chili. Uh, do you know what? I'm rapidly rethinking about uh, like what I was go- what what I was going to say then because I've heard of a place called Cayenne today, and I thought actually that is where this is where this thing must come from. Cayenne in it is a place. Is it in? Where is it? Is it a ca- in the ca- French, Caribbean somewhere? French Guiana. Yes, it is French Guiana. In the Caribbean. Uh, yes, because they've got a they've got an airport there, and I thought that Which must is, must be where Cayenne Pepper's from. Yeah, it, it is north of South America. So it's the north coast of South America. So yeah. not far from Venezuela, uh, just north of Brazil. So obviously, I was looking up um, full full size airfields in South America, and that happens to be one of them. Well, Cayenne Pepper, I'm sure, is like so paprika. Is just dehydrated red pepper, ground up. Is it? Is it really? Yes. I didn't know that. That's, that's what paprika is, and cayenne pepper. I'm sure, as in chili powder, basically, is what yeah. it is. Is just dehydrated red chilies, ground up. Right. Well, we need to find out if cayenne pepper does come from cayenne. <laughs> or is it say? Sh- uh, it does. <laughs> 
the, 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 <laughs> this is a bit weird. The first thing um, of does cayenne pepper. Do you want to have a guess what it is? Nope. Oh, so yes, I do. What, what, what is it? So it is. Does cayenne pepper keep rats away? Ah, who knows? <laughs> uh, well, whilst you're looking up that, Tim, you can tell me, will Gloucester beat Ulster? No. Uh, no, they won't. I, I mean, I hope they, I hope Gloucester have a change of heart and put out a full-strength first team because it's a home game mm-hmm. in front of a, a, cr- a crowd at, at Kingsome of some description because um, that's nothing less than the Gloucester fans deserve. But I fear they won't, and I, f- uh, and I think Ulster will win. Yeah, this is a really sad indictment on this tournament, but I believe what I'm about to say next is going to be the first really competitive, exciting match. Claremont Munster. Ooh, Claremont at home. What, that... a, what a challenge for Munster. Yeah, so it'll be Munster. Oh, so Munster can match Claremont them up. looks so good. Munster can match them up front physically. Can they match them out wide? Yeah. Good question. Um,. Uh, also, no, actually, probably not, because the Claremont back three are not just good names. They play fantastically well together, too. Um, just just to answer the question, it is probable that the place KN in French Guyana was named after the Peppers, not vice versa. Ah. Although it's commonly claimed that the Pepper was named after the city. There you go. So... The word cayenne pepper was first used in 1652, but the city was only named in 1777, 120-odd years later. Amazing. So the French are so into food, they named one of their territorial possessions bigger cities after pepper. After a chilli pepper. Perfect. Perfect. So French. Well, well. Uh, I'm saying Claremont win, win this, and they win it by 20 points. Yeah, I think they'll struggle to break down that monster team, but I think Claremont will... Like you said about them against Bristol, I think they'll always have enough in the tank. Yeah. Yeah, there could be some lapses. They could let Munster in, but they should do this handily. Bordeaux Dragons? Bordeaux. Bordeaux. This, Bordeaux. Is, a, this is a competitive game. Not in a good way, either. Um, two teams that don't look like they're going to make it out, but they could have a right ding-dong here. Sale Edinburgh. Ah. Would you, would you just on that, would you fancy Cockrell? No. Not at all? Nope, not at this point. No. Not even a little bit. I, yeah. See, I think he could uh, get some good. I think Richard Cockrell's a fantastic man, a fantastic coach. I think I'd be. I think he'd be perfect. Yeah. Why? We've already. I mean, we've already done that. <laughs> Sorry, they've already done that. There, there's. There's no. There's no need for a rewrite. Look, cockles and dimes. They may have some similarities, but they are also very different men. Yeah, this is okay. All yeah, and also. Cockers has got to work with Dorian West unless Dorian West gets the boost as well, right? And I just don't think you need that. I mean, you can't replace... As Ben Darwin pointed out, um, you can't. You don't look to replace like with like. You go for something new. Or you 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 develop around, uh, how can I say, different different talents. I don't think you should look at getting dimes light. Yeah. Not that he is Dimes. Depends why, it, depends, it depends why Dimes has moved on. Because... Um, if it was because he's not producing the goods, we don't seem to think that is the case. Um, then you would not replace like with like. But if things were going wonderfully well and just some things happened, then maybe you do replace like with like. Anyway, we're getting off point. Um, Sale, I, I, they can still qualify because they have got probably one of the most favourable 
draws of any team. Have they? Who else is involved in this? Yeah. Well, Toulon. Yeah, it's, you just play those two games, don't you? So you play Toulon twice and Edinburgh twice. That's your group stage. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Um, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Uh, so yeah, they could win it all. They, they can win their they can win their remaining three games. Yes, I don't know. Looking at Toulon, there's ha- no easy game at this level, obviously, but they can. Yeah, looking at Toulon, uh, no, I don't think they can. I don't think they're going to be. I, they're lucky to have Europe now because they can get these European games out of the way. They can est- establish what they want to do, and then they can crack on with the Premiership. I think Edinburgh uh, might no. do them. No, give me sale. No, give me sale. Madness. <laughs> Madness. Well, I, I certainly hope. I, I, I certainly hope for a good game of rugby. Yeah, for all neutrals, I hope yeah. so too. Uh, by the way, um, uh, Lon- London's flair team Harlequins against Paris's flair team Racing in an all flair matchup, sadly with no fans. These two are like a mirror image of each other, or should I say, you know, I think Racing for the longest time wanted to be like Harlequins, and now Harlequins really want to be like Racing. Yeah, nice. Nice kit matchup, I think, as well. Great kit matchup, and also yeah. lovely bit of history. Yeah, yeah. very similar histories. I, yeah, and I think you're exactly right that Quinns would love to be doing what uh, Racing are doing right now. That's probably where they see their their ambition to be playing in that manner. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and with that said, Racing's teach them a huge lesson. Yeah, Racing by twenty points. Yeah, and probably yeah. the rest. <laughs> Did you see? Um, I didn't watch this game. I was watching whatever the other game was, uh, Munster. Did you see the Finn Russell try? Yes. The Finn Russell pass for one of the tries. It wasn't a pass, it was a kick. No, there was a pass. Oh, right. Um, then no, I didn't. Oh, I can't even remember. I've watched so much rugby this weekend. <laughs> the Finn Russell, amazing 30-yard pass to... Um, I can't remember. It wasn't Curtly Beal, but one of their players coming on absolute full tilt... To exploit a massive overlap. Classic Finn. Yeah, a bit of Finn sanity. So, uh, all Racing, Toulouse, Exeter. G- game of the weekend. This is the game of the weekend. Yeah. If you only watch one game, make it this one. Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, I, I, I just worry about Exeter... They're just attacking every single game absolutely head on for eighty minutes. Yeah, as in they are just they're just putting themselves and their opposition through the meat grinder for eighty minutes. Solid. The thing you got to remember about Exeter, right, is that the lads that aren't playing are preparing to play. Yeah, you know they are getting ready. You know, if you don't see a lad at Exeter, he might have been dropped, but he might also be you know deviously plotting the downfall of their next opposition. Yeah, you just don't know. And you, and uh, as Baxter said in your interview, they've probably got uh, twenty six, maybe twenty eight first team, first choice, first team players because yeah. they've got so many one A and one B, and they can just rotate. Like uh, Johnny Hill was on the bench this week, and you had Richie Gray and Sam Skinner, who are both absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, whether they can go two to lose and win though is another matter because it is. Toulouse are an incredible team and then you go to Toulouse and in the Heineken Cup where they've got the four trophies they've got all the history they've got the pride of the city and they've got all this this unbelievable talent right throughout their team and a lot of young French talent right throughout the team Uh, it's the first time in a while I've 
think Exeter are underdogs going into a game. And uh, I th- I th- first time in I, months. I think, yeah, I think Toulouse needs need to get Untermat back at ten. I wasn't impressed with Thomas Ramos at ten. Yeah, and uh, and I think Aki will come back into the side with Untermat at ten. And I, I I think I agree with you, Phil. I think at home. At home, I, yeah, I think this this is the measure. If if Exeter, well, they don't have anything to prove; they're the champions. But this is this is a huge. I think it could go either way. I'm, I'm it's, it's a score in it, but I'm just going to edge. I'm going to edge to lose. Ooh, yeah, I'm going Exeter. I don't think I don't think anyone stops them, home or away. Doesn't matter. Um, Exeter win. Now I, I can definitely see it, and I think this will be very tight. But I, I think this will be. This, in my mind, this is probably the first game. It might be the first game uh, since the it, Saracens final. Yeah, first game in like a season and a bit that Exeter are not going in as favourites. Yeah, if you're gonna have an accumulator, leave this one off it. Yes, this could go Definitely. either way. Yeah. And then uh, the Pat Lamb bowl. Connor, uh, Connor Bristol. Bristol. Yeah, Pat Lamb said he's going full strength. He wants to win this one. Did he? Yeah. Crikey, good for him. Um, well, if they do go full strength, I like Bristol. I just feel that, yeah, I like Bristol. And if they get out of the group stages, they're going to be lethal. Yeah, yeah. They, they should. I think they've got to win this. Yeah, they're going to win. They're uh, going to win. Oh, they've got because they have to. And the very last game. Go on. Uh, Talk H at home against Stockport under the new rules. Have you got a game? We have got a game. We've got. Yes. We've got Stockport now. I can't play this game. Do you know why? What? Why? Well, I might try and play it anyway. I might just disregard medical advice. What? I'm having a no- COVID denier. I'm having. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm having a, basically a nose job on a, on, <laughs> on Tuesday. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going for a day procedure to uh, you know, get nasal surgery so I can actually breathe properly. And during this time, they then oh, shall we fix your nose as well? Because it's got a slight kink in it. But yeah, go on then. I'm now committed. I can't back out, which is a shame because I would have. So, don't don't risk having basically re-breaking a nose that they've just deliberately I know, broken. You cannot. I know. You're having right. You're having rhinoplasty. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> correct. Correct. You cannot. Have risk... you ever seen the South Park with <laughs> dolphin plasty? Yeah. <laughs> I thought this is this is such a ridiculous. Ridiculous um, storyline until the guy comes out as a dolphin, and then I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a shame that you can't play. Yeah, so that is a massive shame. So I don't even know if I'll be coaching on Tuesday. Hopefully, I will be. That'll be looking like uh, the Elephant Man or something. <laughs> Two black. I'll eyes. go for stock, stock, Stockport to win. No, hey. give me Tock H. Thank you, Phil Noses Rugby. Yet again, <laughs> is is uh, Dean Schofield still playing for top, for Stockport? It's a great question. He was last time I checked, and, and he plays. He doesn't coach. He plays. Um, but you know, Stockport. So what? Be fine. <laughs> uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, concludes the rugby for the weekend. Uh, you can find uh, there will be no rugby dungeon this week. Because of course I have got my no- getting my nose fixed. Um, you can find Tim at Cocker, me at Jay Beardmore. This podcast at uh, Rugby Podcast. Any any more for any more? I'm all done. Tim. Uh, yeah, contact eggchasers at gmail.com. Oh yes, on email. That's right. Do that. Uh, yeah. But other than that, Tim, have a safe flight home, and we will see you all next week. Bye bye. Beautiful.
Nice one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.